Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello. No, too much. Hello, Ward. I'm definitely keeping that in. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, what a great Monday, right? I mean, this is a great Monday. I know it's Tuesday when people are listening to it, but this is a glorious Monday. Oh, it so is. And look, I know the viewing of it, which we'll get into, wasn't the best experience for you. But to have what's been 48 hours, it'll be 72 leading into tonight's game, according to when people are listening to this, the Rutgers game. It's like this is what we've been jonesing for 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 the better, what, seven, eight years is to have this kind of team, this kind of run, six out of seven games. And for, you know, to to take that step back against Maryland on the road, which we knew would be tough. But then then we've we've been thinking about this game all year. It's been circled on the calendar all year. And that was before we knew the number one ranked Purdue Boilermakers were going to be ranked number one. And so there's all that buildup. And then you actually do it. We actually win. All right. You got to save it. We got to save it. We're oh, going to do it with our special guest. You got to no, save but, but it. We, but we can we can just talk about emotionally where we're at right now. Is, uh, yeah, is, And we is, will is, once no, we let people know that we are only able to no, because no, we no, are. No, 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 no. I just want to say it's this is why we put up with all this shit since we started this podcast since before we started this podcast it's been really tough most of the time most of the time to be an indiana fan since 2016 2017 and it's for days like 15, saturday 16 15 16. 15 16 no no but i'm saying 16 17 is when it started getting rough um, okay yep True. Um, that that for for a day like Saturday, for the the days following a day like Saturday, it it's it makes it all worth it because sometimes you question it. But for I days agree. like this, you're like, this is glorious. Now you can go ahead and, and do this. And thing. I thought we would do all of that after we told people we are powered by communitycars.com. You look so stupid. You just look so incredibly stupid. Your face when you do it, it kills me every time. Every oh, oh, time. I'm, it was, I'm so glad you said when you do it every time because I thought it was just a blanket statement. No, no, God, no. <laughs> um, you look like an asshole all the time, but <laughs> well, you look that's... stupid some of the time. <laughs> um... <laughs> all right, communitycars.com. 
Let me tell you who was in the building for that game on Saturday. Evan Martin. Evan Martin, communitycards.com. You're looking for a car. By the way, you feel good on a Monday? I feel good on a Monday. You know what I would do if I got some extra cash laying around, some extra cash in the pocket? Got in my car, didn't like how it smelled, didn't like how it fe- felt, didn't like how it uh, broke, didn't like how it accelerated. I didn't like any of that. I'd want a new car. And when you know you said, what I would do? When you, when you said how it broke, does that yeah. mean the like the braking mechanism? How would you or, say or, that? How would or you the say car that? broke? I was talking about the car mechanism. How would you say that? I don't, I don't like how like, it's breaking. I didn't like how my I don't like how my car's breaking. I don't like how it's accelerating. Need a new car. You go to communitycars.com and you can do it one of many ways. Go in old school. Hell, ask for Evan. Talk to him about how amazing the game was. But any of their capable salespeople will make you feel respected and listened to. They're not going to try to make it an experience where you feel it's adversarial. You can call them on the phone, do it all on the phone. You can do it all online. You never have to talk to anybody. They'll ship you the paperwork. They'll give you those cool little red arrows that I like to tell you where to sign. You do. You ship it back. They'll ship you the car. So I just love the fact that Evan's a part of what we've been doing here. He's a huge supporter of NIL that we're, we're obviously uh, squarely behind. HHNIL.com. HHNIL.com. And uh, if you're going to buy a car and give your hard-earned money to somebody, there's no one better to give it to than community cars in Bloomington and the surrounding areas. And as they have done for generations, obviously his father is, is it goes, it goes back to the father of community cars. Uh, we'll call him Mr. Martin and, um, and going all the way back to the, to the night glory years up to, up to what happened against Purdue. Whenever Indiana beats Purdue, it's buy one, get one free at community cars <laughs> of equal or lesser value. You can't like buy. A no, new, no, uh, it's of equal or greater value. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You buy the cheapest car and you can get free the most expensive car they sell. That's that's why you should go to communitycars.com. Who does that? Who does that? <laughs> um, all right. Look, before we get to what you just couldn't hold on for a few minutes for. How, how could I? It was bursting from within. I am burning from within to talk about the game that happened on Sunday and the IU women's basketball team right now. Great. Go for it. Ward, this team, it's beyond special what they're doing. They are 22 and one. They are 12 and one in the conference. And the only loss is a road game by a possession or two to Michigan State, who's not great. But we didn't have Grace Berger. We didn't have our starting point guard and the leader of the team. And we still almost pulled that game out. We are in, we are tied for first place in the conference with one of the best teams in the country, Iowa, with ostensibly the best player in the country, Caitlin Clark. They owned us last year. We have five games left in the conference schedule. Five games left. Two of them are against Iowa, mm. who's ranked now, I think, fifth in the country. We have one game against Ohio State at Ohio State, who is ranked 13th in the country. And we have one game at home against Michigan, who is ranked 12th in the country. Four of our five remaining games to try to win the Big Ten Conference Championship are against teams in the top 13 in the country. So it's not going to be easy. But what this team did to Purdue on Sunday was glorious. And it was at Mackey in a sold-out arena. Amazing. And we went in there, and it was a tough game for the first half. 
We went up by seven. They cut it. They took the lead. We took the lead again by seven. They cut it. We took the lead by five going into halftime. And it felt like, is this going to be like a grinded out game? They held Mackenzie Holmes in check the first half. I think she only had like two points in the first half. Second half, third quarter, we outscored them 19 to two in the third quarter. <laughs> they scored two points in the third quarter. Two. Well, that is, isn't Archie Miller their coach? Isn't that why that <laughs> happened? It was glorious. And Mackenzie stepped away from the basket. They were doubling her on every possession. She hits a mid-range jumper, follows it up on the next possession with a three, drills a three. Chloe Moore McNeil hit threes when they, they made a decision. Don't guard Chloe. Whoever's guarding Chloe, go double McKenzie. And Chloe made him pay, scored most of her points in the first half, including three threes in the first half. Ended up with 13 points, nine rebounds, I think five steals, four assists. I mean, a crazy game for Chloe. This team is so incredible to watch. And this coming Thursday at Assembly Hall, we play Iowa, who has been our nemesis, and we haven't figured them out, who is ranked fifth in the country. And by the way, the rankings come out today. I think we're going to move up a spot because uh, Stanford lost. And I, it's going to be a battle of two top five teams that are tied for first place in the Big Ten in Bloomington. We need to sell out this game. Look, with this gauntlet you described coming up, uh, there's a lot to play out. But up to this point in the season, I think you can say without controversy, this is the best Indiana basketball team since Calvert Chaney's senior year. Yes, I think you're without up to this point, there is no controversy about that. That's how special it is. 22 and one. And uh, we have beaten five teams that I think are ranked in the top 25 of net. I think we're five and oh against them. We've beaten number 11, Tennessee, number six, North Carolina, number nine, Maryland, number 21, Illinois, number 13, Michigan, number two, Ohio State and Purdue, who was actually playing pretty well. We smoke them by 23 on the road. It is a remarkable season, and I implore anyone around the Bloomington area on Thursday night, this Caitlin Clark for Iowa, I don't know if you've watched her award. She's special. I have She's, not. She, will be, she might be the number one or two pick of the WNBA draft when she chooses to go. She can shoot from anywhere. She's a triple-double machine. She has a game like Steph Curry. I mean, that's how she shoots. She gets shots off effortlessly. She's going to be a handful. They have a... a, a uh, center forward who's excellent as well. That's going to give McKenzie all she can handle. Thursday night is the biggest game of the year and one of the biggest regular season games ever for Indiana women's basketball. Because if they win that game, they are in prime position to finish out the season and really win the Big Ten Conference in the hardest year ever in women's basketball for the Big Ten. It you say this game is the biggest game of the year. Um, one of the biggest ever, if not ever, like regular season for yeah. Indiana women's basketball. And you're probably going to be able to say that about every game after that, too. Like, yeah. you know, especially with a win where it's like, OK, in the driver's seat, you'll teach me a new phrase later, later, which, which later. I wanted to use because I know it now. But I, I didn't I, do it because I knew it was coming up later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it is going to be a white knuckle ride to the Big Ten championship. And then. Clearly, this is a team that could do 
the best of things in the NCAA tournament. So we'll see one game at a time, but you know, 23 games in 22 of them have been pretty fantastic. It's just, they are incredible, incredible, incredible to watch. Okay. Before we get to our IU basketball, men's where, basketball, where segment. we beat Purdue. Remember when we beat Purdue, they were number one I, in the country. I they're, they're not, I mean, I guess they still are now, but they shouldn't be because we beat Purdue. We beat them. Purdue. We beat them. IU won. Go Hoosiers. It was the strangest viewing experience I've ever had for watching an Indiana basketball game. Please, I was on a retreat. Look, because we haven't we haven't talked since you no. got back, so this is new. That I'm going to finally get the full scope of what occurred to you, along with our listeners. So, listen, I don't check my family's calendar very often or very well, and I don't know what's going on half the time. My ex or my girlfriend tells me this is where you have to be on weekends. Now they all know Indiana games take precedent, but. Our synagogue does a yearly retreat at a camp in Ojai, California, in the woods, in cabins, away from the world, where for a weekend, you're just with your family. No electronic devices are supposed to be allowed. Um, you're there with rabbis and religious leaders, not, and you're not, just supposed to be connecting. Not Jeff Rabjohns, actual rabbis. Actual rabbis. Well, and I'll be honest, this is the question I got from more than one person was, how did Eric let this happen? Yeah, yeah, it's a fair question. It's because I'm an idiot and intellectually challenged and don't check the calendar. And months ago, when my ex told me, hey, we're doing the retreat again, which, by the way, has not happened for several years because of COVID. Sure. It. And usually it happens earlier in it used to happen like on Martin Luther King weekend mm -hmm. in January, which we usually don't play Purdue that early in the season. So we used there were games I missed like a Minnesota or a Nebraska games that, that didn't matter that much. I didn't check to see. And when I agreed to go, I didn't check to see that it was on the weekend of the Purdue game. The, the fact that you didn't uh accidentally fall off your back steps again or something before the retreat that that you did not that you actually went after you realized what was happening oh there's more okay well what i woke up on friday and i <clears throat> a little scratchy throat <laughs> i just i just wanted to send out let's call it a uh i was going to say a test balloon but let's just say a china spy balloon sure, sure. i wanted to send out a little chinese spy balloon and so I told Mandy, I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling great. I woke up not feeling great. She goes, you're going to the camp. <laughs> Had you already expressed dismay about yes. the Purdue game? So you'd showed your hand. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I showed my hand. So that was, but she was like, you unacceptable. You are going, your kids are going to be there. You have to, you, there is no way out of this. So I just made the decision that I'm going to go. And then come hell or high water, I'm going to sneak off at 1 p.m. Pacific time and I'll find a signal if I have to, you know, MacGyver something and watch it on my phone. I don't care if I have to climb to the top of the mountain peak to get a, a signal. That's where I'm going. So it was in the middle of the big family activity time. And I'm like, guys, I got to go. And I am like in the woods 
trying to find where the best signal is. I, it, I there was very little signal. I could not post on Pigs as I, you I, and I were texting and talking on Friday night. I you, couldn't because the signal wasn't strong enough. You sent me the video of the the tickets raffle drawing on Friday night, and I didn't get it till Saturday morning. Yeah, you didn't get it until I found a pocket. And so I'm in the woods trying to find, and no area is great. And there is a mess hall in this camp area. And the mess hall had Wi-Fi. Ah. Not good Wi-Fi, keep in mind, but Wi-Fi. So I'm like, this is what I have to do. The problem is the mess hall is where everyone walks in and out of. (laughs) And I was just like, that. I'm going to have to own it. I set up shop. I was balancing my phone on like a, a a bowl of a Jewish cuisine called cholin, which is just peasant food. It's disgusting. My phone is on there and I start watching the game and I've got it on like two volume bars, you know, and I'm like, like leaning really close in and people are, oh, Eric, what, are you coming to the, I'm like, no, walk, leave me alone. I'm sorry. Just talk to me in two and a half hours. The rabbi comes by and the rabbi's walking by and these religious leaders are walking by while Indiana is, I think, making a run in the first half because I can barely see because it's constantly pausing. It's constantly doing the thing where it pauses and then goes fast speed to catch up. Have you seen that move? Yeah. But as people passed, I'm like, if something good happened, I'm like, rabbi, I, I appreciate it, but you have to stand right there now. Just stand there until something bad happens. Then you can leave. I, I, you, like you know, my family does not watch games with me. They, they, right. unless I drive them to Las Vegas and put them in paid for seats to watch a game, they're just checked out. But, but Porter, hearing from the other room, me just losing my mind. At one point, he comes over to check on me, and he sits next to me. And this is late in the game, yes. and we're 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 starting to just dig in our heels and not let them actually take the lead. And I'm like, Porter, you can't move. You can't move. You have to sit right there in that seat. And then he felt empowered, so he's like, Great, sat there the rest of the game. It's very important these things. It's that you. Everything's important. Everything's important. So th- that. I watched the game with and various people would come sit next to me. And one guy who I know well, Andrew, he comes and sits next to me and he's a sports fan, but doesn't have a team, doesn't have a dog in the fight. And he's like, I'll root for Indiana. And he watched the game with me and got into it. We're high fiving. Like he has no connection to Indiana. And there's a group like not too far away playing Jewish Mahjong. Is that different from regular Mahjong? I, I asked the same question. Apparently it is like, it's a very Jewish thing. Old in the Yiddish term is altacockers, old people in, wow. in, you like that one? Yeah. That's a good one. It sounds like old cocks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> altacockers is one of the best Yiddish phrases of all time. It's old people. They're playing Mahjong. So they're like eight crack nine. I mean, that's what you say in, in Mahjong eight crack and something. And it's a weird game. And in between they're like, it's a very peaceful game and it's a bunch of old women. And I'm like, fuck no, no. (laughs) I am like losing my mind. Like no inhibition ward, none. I I, I tried to have some shame. I tried to summon a little bit of shame. It's not, it's, (laughs) it fought against every fiber of my being. So when the game got close, 
it, watching it on a phone is a weird everything is smaller obviously and it's difficult to tell who's who and there were things you told me after the game that I didn't even realize I didn't even see the Jalen missed layup I didn't understand I don't know what happened during that like I think it froze and then came back later oh, the, the the first one against Edie before the redemption no no, no the, the missed layup oh, yeah when his he, knee buckled right I didn't didn't know what was going on the tension I felt at the the last 10 minutes of that game was debilitating. I mean, it was debilitating. The guy next to me who was having a good time watching it, I'm like, hey, man, like, I know you're trying to say funny stuff, but, like, nothing's funny right now. Just, <laughs> just so you know, nothing's funny. So I know you think this is funny, but this isn't funny. And if you think it's funny, you have to go. Like, I love you rooting for Indiana. Root with me and be pissed off at them and hate them. But save the funny for later. I, yeah. I just, I yep. can't. That conversation happened. And other people heard that conversation. And let's just say I wasn't on the top of the list for most likable when the weekend started. Right. I was last place by the time this game ended. <laughs> but... All the Jewish leaders of a dot REL community in San Fernando Valley were Indiana fans. They were rooting for Indiana. They all, and I made the rabbi put some juice on it. Like, I'm like, put some on it here. Like, put up a prayer, whatever needs to happen. What, what do we, everybody was on board. No one went to that bullshit where, you know, they root against you because they think it would be funny. Right. Like, right. I think they all knew when they saw the look in my eye this ain't the guy to play that game with. No, this could really affect the whole weekend for everybody. If this game goes wrong, I would burn it down. If somebody rooted for Purdue because they thought it was funny, I would just go and burn their cabin down. I mean, I would just burn it down with them inside. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Chain on the door. (laughs) So that was my experience. I do want to back up though about the experience because the whole experience that I think you will appreciate was so surreal. So, this was the first time that Holly and Flynn went. I brought them around. Yeah. They are not Jewish, but I thought it would be a fun family experience. So Mandy's there, and obviously my kids are there. And as we yes. know, Mandy and Holly have a podcast together. They're very close. Everybody at the synagogue knows our situation because Mandy is very involved in the synagogue. She works there, and she's very well liked. The opposite of me. Right. And they all know Holly. They know the situation. They know the divorce. They know we get along really well. They know it's a little weird. Like, they know all that. <laughs> they, the people that are in charge of housing for the the camp, know that. We get our room. And I get our room key. Me and Holly are staying in the same room. And Mandy's in her own room. And then our kids are in a different room. They put Mandy and me and Holly in adjoining rooms. Well, and this where the wall is like six inches thick and totally, I mean, translucent, basically. I mean, (laughs) it almost amplifies sound. We are in twin beds. There are not queen beds or even fulls. It's twins. So Holly and I are separated. It's Ozzy and Harriet style. It's Ozzy and Harriet style. And the way the room was set up, my head against the wall was basically touching Mandy's head against her wall. I was closer to Mandy sleeping than I was to Holly. You and managed, that was the arrangement. You managed to to 
you you had enough of a signal to call me from the room because I had to defend our honor on pigs. I didn't realize there was a couple of haters on there saying stupid, ignorant stuff and truly ignorant, just unaware of how the raffle uh, worked and has worked in the past. So I am very surprised to get a phone call from you late Friday night. And and the of course, the highlight for me was as you were telling me how close Mandy was and I'm hearing Holly and she's saying hi in the background that for just for, for demonstrative purposes for me, you go, hey, hey, check this out. Hey, let's say goodnight to Mandy. So you and Holly go, goodnight, Mandy. And and then through the wall, I can hear I can hear Mandy go, goodnight. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe didn't realize that it was for my benefit, but man, it sure was. <laughs> yeah, that was the arrangement. So cut to the end of the game. We win, and I am celebrating with this guy, but I am coming out of my skin because I need to hug somebody. Like, I need I need contact. I need something. I, I needed something, and then I get a text from Annie telling me to jump on the spaces that you're doing the spaces. I'm like, oh, my God, can I figure this out? And I couldn't figure it out for a while. I'm trying to jump on. Wasn't working. Then oh, I got oh, on while you're trying to jump on, I'm I'm learning how to cycle through people. Yeah. And and of course, I see uh, straight no chaser is trying to yes. come in. Of course, I think it's it's one person. And as I turn it on, all of a sudden, it is the beautiful, full, complete sound of straight no chaser singing the Indiana fight song. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. I start to get goosebumps. And then the sound cuts out because you're trying to FaceTime me. <laughs> I'm like, nah, 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 nah. and I don't know if it's just for me or for the listeners too. So I have to like kill you real fast and then turn it on. Do not disturb. And it, and it, it was the whole, all the guys were down in Florida doing a private show and they were all together drinking and they did the best rendition of the IU fight song you will ever hear. We're so, going to try to download it off yes. of Twitter and put it out there. So needless to say, I finally get on and you update me on some things about the game that I didn't see. We celebrated. I do want to, as a quick preview, I did give a kind of, I was obviously over the moon, but then I gave a small critique at the end of my spaces conversation that I was 100% wrong about 100%. And I'm going to talk about that when we get into our Hoosier hoopla segment. So that. That was my experience. Then Wait, Sunday, I just I just do want to take some credit here. I know like Porter obviously was crucial down the home stretch. Sure. Sure. And I believe I mentioned this on last week's show, I think is when this was and it's sort of just a redemption was going into the Maryland game. Uh, Porter and I had established the three IU stuffed animals he was sleeping yes. with during yes. the five game winning streak. Yeah, you had to um, get rid of those, I, right? I add no, I added a fourth before the Maryland game. That's right, on me. Then, that's not on Porter. That's on me. So after the Maryland game, we did remove that stuffed animal, stuck with the original trio, and here we are. We're back. Well, but on the fourth one, I hope you burned it in effigy. I put it back where it was during the five-game winning streak. Which I was, think you I'll, should consider burning it. I, I think I'm going to not touch those things for the rest of the season. Any of yeah, them that's fair. In any way, shape, or form. So Sunday, our retreat ends, and I race home, but I know I'm not going to get in home in time to watch the IU women's game. 
but I watched, I get a cigar, which I, I, I was able to get a couple cigars in the look on people's faces, seeing me in the middle of the woods, smoking cigars. Like it was, people thought like this guy wants to burn the whole state down. Well, I mean, you're you're fortunate we've had a a monsoon season like there could not have been a safer time to be smoking in the woods than after the last couple of months. That said, let's just say that people were not impressed with me smoking cigars. But I ran. I rushed home, got home, went outside, turned on the TV, smoked a cigar and watched the IU women's team just destroy Purdue in front of a sold out Mackey crowd with by the way had one huge section of iu fans it had to feel great for every hoosier in attendance everyone watching but how great must have it felt to been coach morin to go back to your old stomping grounds and to shove it right up right up where the sun don't shine to your former school i I, it's just got to be incredible i mean she grew up a hoosier fan she would have gone to Indiana if Indiana had any women's program to speak of, and they didn't. So she went to the in-state school that did. And I'm sure that had to, like, break her heart when she did it. And, look, she gave her life to them for four years and was really good and was coached by a legend and then had a circuitous route of coaching to come back to Indiana. And, uh, look, if you want to talk about the best things Fred Glass did, the best thing Fred Glass did was hire Terry Morin and put a $10 million buyout if she ever wanted to go to Purdue. Did you? <laughs> yeah. That's what's in the contract, only yeah. for Purdue. Yeah. Only for Purdue. So it oh, was, it was the, amazing to watch. By the way, if you haven't seen the video about her father that has been put out by the IU Athletic Department social media, what a beautiful piece that is. You got, And it really not just her father, her whole family. Her family. They're just hanging out in the office before and after games, during practices. That is a truly a family environment she's created there. She is. And, and I got to tell you, the best part about the game against uh, Purdue for the women, Sydney Parrish is a badass mofo. <laughs> like, she, she did this to the crowd. Mm-hmm. After mm-hmm. she hit a three, she in in uh, against Minnesota because Sarah Scalia, who transferred from Minnesota, when we played at Minnesota, they some of the fans gave her a hard time. And in the press conference afterwards, Sydney Parrish said, "Yeah, that pissed me off." Like Sydney Parrish is ballsy and like she got loves that being got that dog in her. Got that dog in her, and it is awesome to watch. This team has it. It's it is a fun team to watch. Hey, All right, go, wait, going back to cigars. Yeah. I did my first, you know, look, I had I had to carry a bucket of water here while you were out in the woods. I couldn't let down uh, Hoosier uh, Hysterics Twitter Nation. Give me a critique. How did I do on my first victory cigar video? Well, like you've been doing it your whole life. Well, I been, mean, it was awesome. I've been watching you do it for several years. It was awesome. It was it was it was visceral. It was enthusiastic. You You gave yourself time to get the puffs in. You had the good sound effect with the blowing the smoke out. I loved every moment of it. It made me feel like I was, I was there. I w- it made me feel like a proud father, to be <laughs> honest with you. Like I birthed this thing and here is Ward taking it and making it live on. It made me realize that now you can go through with your plan to murder me and continue Hoosier <laughs> hysterics without me in all facets. Oh man, that sounds like way too much work. <laughs> <laughs> but no one would really fight it. I mean, like, you know, no one would be doing an investigation. 
I thought I thought the key was that sort of happy dance you do at the beginning, the kind of bopping around happy dance. Yeah. Like if I can do that up top, then the rest will just kind of almost go on a, a muscle memory from having watched you do it so many times. Yeah, lack uh, lack of shame, which is yeah. a theme. Lack Tapped of shame that. <laughs> and just no overthinking. Like well, just like, go for it. You know, if I have to do it as myself, there will be shame or self-consciousness. But as an actor, you know, I just took on the character of you and was able to find that lack of shame. This is like in the 80s when like a sitcom actor would like fall out and they would just replace them with someone else, but yeah. not tell anybody like the character hasn't changed. Right. You're just slipping right into the role. Um, all right. Well, now it's time to get to the main attraction, which is, of course, reviewing what happened on Saturday. And we but, do that. But the only way we can do that, and, and this is that only way we do that, is because it is time for us to be brought to you by IU Ventures presents a segment without pretense. Who's your hoop live just for you? Like, not flawless, but definitely our best one yet. We're getting there. We're getting there. It's time for Hoosier Hoopla presented by IU Ventures. IU Ventures, the only part of Indiana University that supports entrepreneurs by actually writing checks, by actually funding businesses, by only funding businesses uh, formed by, run by, created by IU staff, alumni, students, or faculty. This is a tremendous thing they've been doing. We've been highlighting companies that they have been focusing on. Here's another one. I think we focused on them a few weeks ago, but I think it's worth bringing it up again. Apexian Pharmaceuticals. They're based in Indianapolis. They're a biotech company that was is led by the IU School of Medicine professor, Dr. Mark Kelly. Um, Apexian receives funding from IU Ventures. They write them checks, and they are focusing on developing therapeutic solutions to treat cancer and other life-threatening diseases. That's where IU Ventures money is going. You as an investor, you as just a regular person could go to iuventures.com, sign up for the newsletter, get information about these companies, and actually become an investor in said companies. It is the ultimate ecosystem for IU to not only help its own, help each other, Hoosiers helping Hoosiers, it's Hoosiers helping the world. Like you're not you're not seeing a lot of stuff come through iuventures.com that does anything besides make the world a better place and hopefully make you some money. What what are you gonna say? I was just gonna say, for example, they would not write Hoosier Hysterics a check. Correct. If we told them we created this brand, they would say, I'm sorry, you don't qualify. We don't we don't see a lot of potential there. We don't we don't really <laughs> see where this is going. Um I and it is, it, it's one of those things where anybody involved with it, you, look, I, I'm teaching this class for IU Media School out here. Again, I'm doing it with Tommy O'Haver and, and I'm seeing IU grad after IU grad who very busy, very successful in different parts of the entertainment industry come through, make time in their schedule to help IU undergrads understand how this crazy world out here works and how to make a go of it and it's because of that love of of wanting to support uh, fellow hoosiers it's really a beautiful thing to see now this can be done really on a global scale we have a couple people listening to this podcast from japan they can go on iuventures.com see what's going on see what opportunities there are for investment 
And if, hey, maybe they're sitting there in Tokyo and they got a great idea, something in robotics as they're walking down the street, they're like, you know what? That could be a really cool thing. They could go to iuventures.com and they could get backing for it. They could get other Hoosiers to get on board. Maybe they all get to make a lot of money in the process. But at the end of the day, it's a really feel good situation they've got going at iuventures.com. Sign up for the email list so you know what's going on and keep updated on it. Yeah, we implore you. It's free. iuventures.com. Sign up for the email list. Find out about the companies that they're funding, the companies that you can be an investor in, an angel investor. Amazing organization. We have late breaking news. What do we got? You were just talking about how it's all family affair with Terry Morin. Totally. Terry's sister, who is featured in that video as well, Lee Morin Hutchinson, sent me a text just now. IU women are ranked number two in the country. The AP poll just came out, and Indiana is behind only South undefeated South Carolina at number two in the country. It is the highest ranking for Indiana women in any poll in history. Unbelievable. They are the number two team in the country. That's crazy. And they are playing... I, I don't have the full poll in front of me. Do you have it? I'm Anything? refreshing it, but it's still the old one. Um, women, because I what I want to see. Okay, see. here we go, Ellis. I got it now. Okay, oh, where yeah, oh, Iowa is? Iowa is. Iowa's fifth. fifth. We play the fifth-ranked Iowa Hawkeyes on Thursday night, and we are ranked number two. We mm-hmm. jumped from four to two. It's insane. Pack the hall pack the hall and 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 speaking of packing the hall it was packed on saturday night you know saturday afternoon saturday afternoon let's do that again and speaking of packing the hall i know you're gonna leave in all my bullshit mistakes for sure yeah uh speaking of packing the hall one, it was packed to the gills. What are you trying to say? What, what are, you, are you ruining my oh, mojo? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was just trying to slip in for like five seconds because what you <laughs> probably didn't see on your phone in the middle of the woods was they they put the sideline reporter, I forget her name, but they put her way up at the top of the nosebleeds because it is it is the, probably the most extreme vantage point in college basketball. And they go up there to do the segment with her and they're shooting directly across. So all you're seeing behind her are the rest of the seats behind her. And she's talking about how high up it is and how packed it is in the whole arena. And you can see it all from up there, but not once do they, they don't position her there, nor do they even pan the camera to actually show that extreme vantage point. I'm like, what, why are you even, and they, they shot her from below and they went way up, but uh, I'd imagine at some point in the history of broadcast, somebody's actually been up there and looked down so you could see how ridiculous it is from up there. But they did a whole segment built around it. And we're like, oh, you could just see the people sitting behind her in the rows on the same tier. They are the worst. I also noticed when I rewatched it that Dickie V told a funny story about Randy Whitman and Mike Woodson. You guys got to dress up. And then later in the broadcast, they show a close up of Randy Whitman watching the game and never say that that's Randy Whitman. (laughs) 
So they just have a close-up of, to most fans, I would think like, oh, there's a nice-looking middle-aged man watching. Why are they on an extreme close-up of him? Like, well, why aren't you saying it's Randy Whitman? Well, they got confused. They actually thought it was Zach Eady's mom. Uh, <laughs> because, honestly, like, I don't know if you could pick up on that. That that was in no way on a reflection that Randy Whitman looks like Zach Eady's oh, mom. Oh, I thought you were insulting Zach Eady's they mom. They cut to Zach Eady's mom 25 times. It was, I mean, like, I'm sure she's a lovely woman, and I get she's sort of in the zeitgeist right now. There's like a Zach Eady's mom fan club because this is a, a woman who, who birthed uh, uh, somebody who's 10 foot four, you know, so I get it like that, but like it's an IU home game and we didn't see any of the parents of our players, the team that won. Right. Where's and, Trace's and, parents? They're there. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was really, I mean, that was bullshit. But uh, also when you're talking about this game and everything that's going on there, you have to talk about both the tribute. They did a Dickie V tribute and a Don Fisher tribute. And and I think with Don Fisher being um, such a great guest on this show a couple times, obviously uh, means nothing to anybody besides us and our listeners, but for 50 years, he has now been the voice of Indiana sports, Indiana basketball, Indiana football, any good memory of the last 50 years, uh, if you're watching a highlight of it, it better have his voice on it or it doesn't give you the right feeling. And and so I think what a, a, a great occasion to honor him. And then Dickie V, and I know people love to bag on him, especially as of late, kind of really throughout his career. But I think so many people our age, he was the voice, the personality of college basketball growing up. And when he was just always going over the moon nuts, slobbering all over Coach Knight and the Indiana Hoosiers of our youth, that was great. And it just so happens that he's been doing that way more for Duke and North Carolina and Kentucky and Kansas here over the last 20 years. So that can grate on your nerves. But I thought it was really special. He was there and they did that and they honored Fish. And so it just all contributed to a really, really memorable special day in Assembly Hall. Well, let's really break down that special day, and we can only do it with a very special returning guest. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's a very special week after a very special victory, so why not have a very special human being back on the show, Eric, as if they don't know who it is. Who is it? I mean, do we even need to say anymore? I'm so glad we're doing this Hoosier Hoopla segment with this gentleman because he's just made for the podcast world. He's also made to be one of the best players in the history of Indiana basketball. Mm -hmm. He was Big Ten Player of the Year. He was part of some of the greatest teams in recent memory. It's not even recent memory anymore, to be honest with you. It's getting <laughs> to be long memory. But this gentleman played in the NBA. He's a stud. We love him. He says what's on his mind. You either love him or you hate him, but you got to respect him. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Evans. So? Well, he, hang on a second. I, I don't think that I am a love him or hate him guy. I, I don't know why anybody would hate me. Let's talk about that first. We can talk about it. You, you First of all, in the world of spoke sports culture, you are absolutely a polarizing figure. Because you care hey, about wait, one. Hey, wait, back thing. up, back up. I'll take, 
That's fine, Eric. I'll take polarizing. I've always wanted to be a polarizing figure. When I hear, when they say that about people, I'm like, man, I wish someday I could be a polarizing figure. Yes. If I am, you did it, buddy. I'll take it. I'll take hey, listen, it. Yeah, listen. I, don't, I don't think I'm hated, but I'm, if I'm polarizing, that's different. I, well, you no, know, no. When Eric said hated, I was like, I don't know anybody who hates Brian except for probably Purdue fans. And even then, you know, t- time has passed, heals all wounds. Uh, I, I wouldn't say you're hated, Brian, but controversial, polarizing, sure. That's a different thing. And I, I, Hey, guys, I was having coffee this morning, no joke. And I wouldn't – I mean, I'm saying this. This just happened. I would not make this up. Purdue fan walks up to me. He he actually used to work with Eric Anderson, one of my favorite all-time teammates and favorite people. Uh, and he and I'd met this gentleman before. He works at Garen High School here in town, and he introduced himself. And I said, oh, yeah, I remember you. And he goes, I got to tell you, and I've told you before, I'm a season ticket holder. He goes, you are my all-time favorite Indiana player because I don't have any. He goes, you're the only one. I, he goes, you're the guy I always wanted to play at Purdue. Wow. So I got that comment, and that, that felt good in a, in a very odd way. Yeah. You know what that guy was? A spoke. You think I, he spoke? I, yeah, I, I would have I would have I would have picked Calvert Chaney over you, Brian. I hope you understand. If I if I was only picking one as a Purdue fan, it it wouldn't have been you. Well, he would have definitely looked better in that uniform than me. Like middle of winter. You put me in yeah. that white and gold and ugh, I mean I would look terrible in it. Most people um, let me let me tell you the difference between that guy and me, the one that came up to you today. I uh, belong to a cigar lounge out here, and mm-hmm. I noticed one day that in the corner was Jimmy Jackson. Okay, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, I have to say something." I mean, I have to. I I watched this guy play so many games against us. He had huge games. They beat us. We beat them. Uh, he was clearly a huge rival, and I went up to him and I said. Hey, uh, Jimmy, uh, my name's Eric. I just wanted to come up to you and tell you, I hate you. And he goes, you're a Hoosier, aren't you? And I said, that's right, baby. So that's what I would do to players that in the recesses of my mind, I know are great players, but I still hate them. I hate them with everything I have. Just just to set up for where we're at this morning, uh, to, for the listeners, so they know, that Eric was texting my wife, Annie, to make sure I was okay because he was trying to get a hold of me to do uh, this episode here with Brian. And I wake up and I'm groggy and I go to get my coffee, Brian, just like you. And and I take a moment, just a moment to reflect how how our lives have changed in this podcast day and age where I'm stressing out, trying to get caffeinated and awake because I know that Eric and Brian Evans are waiting for me to wake up. <laughs> so let's have Brian start us on. Brian, we beat Purdue. They were ranked number one in the country coming into Bloomington. What the hell are you wearing? God, you're wearing a Michigan hat. Wait a minute. It's his daughter. Pro- it's his daughter. Got I a scholarship to volleyball. I, oh, it's you, Michigan volleyball. I know. I know. But I, I, we don't need to see their swag on our show. Hey, man. We'll blur I'm it always, out. Like, obviously, I'm, I'm a very polarizing figure, <laughs> and that's why I told you I did not want to be on video, and you guys want it, and now you got it. Now you don't like it. See, you yep. guys are hard to please. <laughs> All right, Brian, hit us with overall thoughts. Let's start broad picture here. What did that game mean? What were your initial thoughts? 
just, you know, psyched for the fan base, psyched for all of our fans, whether they're spokes or non-spokes. I'm just happy. We, um, we needed that, right? So first time they've ever come in ranked number one. Um, I, I think a, a confidence booster for a team that still needs that stuff. You know, this is not a veteran team necessarily. We have a few veteran players. We do have a lot of young guys that a win like that, I think could be a big deal, you know, to help us finish the conference season strong. Um, you, you just, you have to know that, right. They came together, they played really hard. You know, some of the things that we've been uh, questioning or worrying about with this team, they, they did fantastic. Our fans are unbelievable. I it's impossible to, to calculate how many points assembly hall was worth, but man, it, it had to be more than five. I mean, it was just so it, it was so much fun to watch, and I was happy to watch it from home. And I had it turned up loud, and man, they the, our, our fan base showed up for this game. I think it's a huge win for the program. It is different, right? I mean, we played North Carolina earlier this year, who was really highly ranked coming into the season. We know they were struggling, but there was a lot of hype around that game. Students lining up, but we talked to Randy Whitman last week, and we asked Randy about. How can you teach these young players, especially ones that don't come from Indiana, how important this Purdue game is? And Randy's like, you can't. They have to yeah. live it. They have to live it. You lived many games against Purdue when they were very good, but they weren't number one in the country. Can you imagine what it would have been like in your day playing if Purdue came to town, Gene, Katie, and they were ranked number one? Well, you know, when they were coming to town, they weren't ranked number one, but they were bringing the big dog with them. Yeah, um, they were up there. No, it's a big deal. I mean, it just is a big deal. And, you know, people make something out of the fan, you know, our, our student body you know, going onto the court. I think that's a bunch of BS. That's that's you guys talk about all the time. That's that's 2023. That's what student body does. They partied all day at Knicks. And so they get to it doesn't matter that it's Purdue. If you beat the number one team at home, students, they're going to get on the court. There's no, and it's not a big deal. Um, unfortunately, wait, wait, wait. it's in the I, news around here. I know, but I want to focus on this. I was going to wait later, but let's get right into this. This is what I love about Brian Evans. See, never people know. think, people think they can peg him. Oh, he's an old school guy. He doesn't like hip hop music at the, uh, at the assembly hall. He's just so old school. But the truth is you're not, you have very strong opinions, but, I, I, what I love about him is I do think they're backed by real um, thought and this court storming, which the old guard seems to have a real problem with. You have no problem with, you're like the hell with it, which is what I think too. Like what, why does anyone care that students are really excited? What, what's the problem? No, it's yeah. I don't get it. I mean, everyone makes a big deal. At Purdue, Purdue fans are wanting to make a big deal of it because it makes them feel just a smidge more relevant, like they're our big brother, which they're not. So they, it gives them something to talk about. I think it, I think they're the driving force behind it. If we have a lot of fans complaining about it, that makes, I, we could educate them and just say, Hey, this is part of the college experience. Right. And if they win the title, they're going to go to the fountain. That's just what you're going to do. Right. And it's not a big deal. So are you a fountain preservation committee is going to complain about that? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> I do want to say for anybody who doesn't end up watching this video, Brian, you you just look as happy as I've seen you. Uh, there's a glow about you, this beating Purdue afterglow. Can you talk about that 
not just as a fan, but when you're talking about this team and even going into this big game, which will be tonight for people listening to this against Rutgers, what what can this, uh, let's say, momentum, how could it actually tangibly help against Rutgers? I'm sure the crowd will be very loud tonight, too. Well, you, you know, you got to you owe them one, right? They outplayed you. They outcompeted you. I think you got to keep it right there. You know, it's these are one game at a time. I, I do believe there's some momentum that could be gained and traction from just a huge stage, right? And young guys performing. I thought Galloway and Malik and the Hood Shafino, everyone, we had a lot of contributors, I think, from that group that needed that kind of big stage experience. And so they got some of that. So I, I would expect there to be some carryover for those guys. It's, there's not going to be anything for Trace. He's been there and done that. Um, but some of those guys that needed to have a good game at that time, uh, and, and you owe Rutgers. They, they whooped you pretty good at their place. And so the, the only thing we could judge is if, if we bring that same – that same effort and enthusiasm, you got to get a, you got to get a win. Rutgers is, is the only team, if I'm not mistaken, in front of us, right. Yep. In between us and Purdue. Yeah. We win that game and we are in second place in the big 10. You got all, you you got all the motivation you need right there. That's all they need. And I'm sure they're getting ready. I mean, this is, I'm sure the guys got to have fun. There was a, you know, a few days off and now you're back at it. I think it's the, the perfect break in this schedule. Right. So like Sunday, Monday, you get a couple of days off, you're back at it, and you got to go play a game, and it's a huge game. Let, I want to talk about Trace. Um, you mentioned Trace. I, I'm I'm going to push back a little bit on the fact, like when you say Trace been there, done that. The truth is, when you talked about this not really being a big-time veteran team, we have a lot of years, but we don't have winning years on this team. Right. No one has right. won. No one on this team knows what a winning conference record is. And the other thing that Trace doesn't have, with the exception of maybe the two games in the Big Ten tournament, but that's a neutral site and a little different. Every time we have a big game, we shit the bed the next game. Last year, we played Purdue, and we won the game, and we shit the bed against Michigan the and very he next only game. Played, and he only played like 10 minutes against Purdue last year in the win. Right, and a horrible game the next game against Michigan. They ran us off the court. North Carolina this year, good game. Hype, hype, hype. We go shit the bed against Rutgers, Right. This does feel different to me. It feels like last year's Purdue game felt like that was the crowning achievement and we all just took a breath. But I want to talk about Trace because in his post-game press conference, which we have derided post-game press conferences for many reasons, I don't think they played the silly word game yesterday unless I missed it. What I heard Trace say is now we got to focus. Ever since Rutgers punked us last game, mm. we've refocused. He used that word. Yep. And I loved that because he, that's Trace owning. We got, we didn't just get beat. We got humiliated. And he went on to talk about how previous teams of his were soft. Were, weren't he tough enough. The soft word. And so I just want to, we'll, we'll back into his performance in the game, Brian, but does that, him talking like that and his attitude that you saw during the game, does that speak to a level of maturity that you think you're seeing from Trace? I do. I mean, I think he's growing. Um, and what I, what I was saying, I didn't mean like he's been there and done that necessarily. I, 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 cause they haven't won as a team and they have, you know, in his career, they, they haven't won a lot of big games necessarily. I mean, like statistically, he's, he's not afraid to go on the road and, you know, he could put up big numbers on the road. Sure. Probably the only guy that's really been able to do that on this team. Um, right. but I do. I think, I think he's grown. I, I, I didn't listen to the press conference. 
but I like hearing that him using the word punked. Uh, when you're the captain of the team, you know, you got to guard against, you know, a three day party because uh, you beat number one Purdue. And, and I think that's a sign that he's thinking about the next game, which is, and not headed out to kill Royce necessarily for three straight days. So I think he's growing. I think, you know, he, he's, <laughs> I don't know how much, how many classes he's taken anymore. I, I think the guy's sole focus is trying to win here, which is a good thing for us. I don't, I don't think the partying piece matters to him anymore. I think he's at that point where it's like, this is my career. It's winding down. I care about the games. I care about the team's performance. And that's maturity. I think he, he grew into that. Let, let's talk about one particular incident in the first half yesterday when Mason Gillis uh, fouled somebody a little bit too hard. Uh, one of Trace's teammates, and Trace came over and got up in his face, put his chest on him, got 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 a little skirmish going there. Why do you think that's important for your senior leader, uh, all-world player, to do something like that? I don't. No. <laughs> you you didn't you didn't think that helped set the tone to not get bullied by Purdue? No, I, there's nothing there. I mean, that's there, there's I don't. Again, we could disagree. I, I don't think there's anything there that's that's significant. I, I've been watching some NBA lately, and that would have been a technical. I was like, oh no, they're going to call a technical. I was more pissed at him to be than anything else because in the NBA, hundred percent, that's a technical. Um, yeah. You know, they sling them around um, like they're no big deal, but that would have been. And I was afraid they were going to call it. I thought, I thought the referees were outstanding in that game. I really do. Did you guys? Yeah. I here's why I think they were outstanding. I didn't care about them. Yeah, I, I didn't notice. Him, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, I, well, the guy I was... came over, you know, that pause, he came over and he said, uh, you know, normal foul, play on, which I thought was cool. Because <laughs> they, cool. they were mixing it up. They were, you know, you're supposed to, you can't, a referee can't stop that battle from being an intense rivalry. That was nothing. I agree. And, you know, the guy went down, and it was a good foul, by the way. They're, yeah, I didn't think it was didn't do anything wrong. He made a good play on the ball. I could argue he got a lot of ball. When they replayed it, it was like, shoot, he had his hand on the on the orange. So, hey, I thought they, the, the refs, like you said, they weren't a part of the game because they stayed out of it, but they let guys play. Yeah, I will um, push back a little. I actually do think it's significant, and it reminded me of a teammate of yours in the Sweet 16 going up and blocking Dwayne Morton's shot against Louisville, and then Morton talking trash and Calbert just going right back at him and everybody getting involved. And that was a rough and tumble game against a rough and tumble team. And to me, it does set a tone a little bit for a team that even Trace has admitted, or I should not say a team, a program that has been soft and has gotten punked. And I felt like he was like, we ain't getting punked today. And I don't care if you got all ball or anything. You're not going to do that to one of my teammates. And I'm going to show you. I, I just think it got everybody even more hyped than they already were. Um, I was worried about the technical for sure. I thought yeah. the T was happening, but, but now let's go into the game and talk about Trace's game overall. I'll let you say what you said to me earlier, but talk about what you saw from Trace in the game. Well, I just, he was totally dialed in, which how could you not be right? I mean, you're playing for all the marbles. That, that's the greatest scenario. I woke up um, Saturday morning. I had to drive by, a couple of my daughters up to Yorktown, which is about an hour drive. And I swear I woke up with butterflies. Mm, like yes. that does not happen to me very often. I wanted to play. I have nothing to contribute, but I, 
when you wake up on a day like that, I was I was psyched for those guys. I mean, that's such a awesome game to play in in front of those fans. I want to play. I mean, it was it is so the table was set for such a epic night, and we got it. I mean, that that was the greatest thing. They um he was ready to play. There's no doubt. He was focused, but I thought he was more cerebral than he's been in the past. Like he, he was understanding time and score and situations better than I think I've ever seen him. Not his best shooting game. Who cares? What I saw was a guy that he knew he knew when it was time for him to take the ball and go. When when Edie got a third foul, there was no question he was he wanted the ball, wanted to go make a play. He and and Edie had to kind of back off a little bit when he made that it was a it was a left hand layup. Edie really couldn't challenge it. I just thought Trace, I thought Trace captained the team better than he ever had, and maybe that chest pump I, again. I didn't, I didn't want him to get a technical. Right. Maybe that I don't know that the crowd needed that. The crowd was hype, but nonetheless, he was, he was the captain of the team. Well, and I one thing you'd mentioned after the Rutgers game. Um, was where, you know, he gets it down there. They're, they're throwing two or three guys at him. He's got the ball in one hand and then, and then generally loses it or doesn't find the guy the ball should get to getting out of trouble like that. But I've watched that so closely since early in the season. And do you see him just growing with his, his court vision and his understanding of when that trap or when that double team's coming and, and how to negotiate his way out of it to find a, the open player? Yeah, I mean, again, when you're handling the ball that that often and in so many situations, you're going to – and he turned it over a few times. You know, guy sure. came and poked it from behind. He, he threw – you know, tried to throw one and skip it to the opposite corner. It just it didn't even have a chance, got picked off and taken away. But that's a lot of attempts, you know, and I, for sure, uh, this kid is seeing traps every day in practice. You know, they're, you know that he's seeing this every day. It's not on game days, guys. He is mm-hmm. seeing doubles and triples. And so that's a lot of, you know, you're getting a lot of attempts to, to pass out of it and get used to it. And, you know, what, what ultimately happens is the game starts slowing down for him. You know, when you first get, you've never been trapped before, there is like an oh shit, you know, feeling. You know, I, I remember being up in Iowa one time and Dr. Tom threw a, a box in one. And when you haven't seen it and we weren't practicing that, it had to goof you up, you know? And so I, I remember that feeling of like, oh, shit, now what do we do? We, are we still running our motion or I hadn't even thought about this? Um, and if you if you saw it every day in practice, you'd get really good at it. Trace is definitely in a, in a place now where the game has slowed down. He's not, he's not panicking because he's getting doubled. You know, it's interesting when you look at his stats, I was looking at his last we've won six out of seven, you know, with the the shitty game against Maryland on the road. I do want to mention the last time we had Brian on, he made predictions about each game going forward. He's 100 percent correct right now. You've called every game. You called the Maryland loss and you called it exactly how it went. You said they play really tough at home. They'll grind it out. You know, they'll make it ugly. and, And that's what it was. But you said we'd beat Purdue. You you've been a hundred percent so far. So, you know, some magic coming out of that Evans mind of yours. Um, Who else said? I don't want to. I don't want to goof this up because I, I was bragging about that to somebody the other day, <laughs> and but I can't remember who I had us losing to. The I know I have us beating Rutgers. You what have us losing. You have Purdue? us losing the last two road games. You have us losing. Hold on, I'll tell you. I think you have us losing at Purdue. 
And hold on, I'll get you in a second here. Michigan State? Yes, at Purdue and at Michigan State. Those are the only two losses that you have for us the rest of the way. But I think we can win that game. I actually, I might even change my prediction on Michigan State. I'll, I'll let you know. All right, good to know. Um, but in looking at Trace's last five games, where the truth is he has captained the team. He is the player. His shooting percentage is not great. He's been shooting 50% from the field over his last five games. I think he's 45 of 79, like almost, or I'm sorry, 35 of 79, maybe less than um, uh, 50%. But clearly he's not at his season average, which is about 57%. His shooting percentage, he's leaving a lot of points on the floor. But like you said, it doesn't really matter right now because He's just captaining the team. He's bringing the energy, the defensive focus. He's blocking shots. He's been rebounding the ball. And the other thing I loved about the Purdue game, curious your thoughts, clearly the the Bond villain freak show Edie went off and scored a whole bunch of points. But I felt like Trace could have made that a whole lot worse by fouling him a bunch. And he didn't. There was one time where Edie got an and one against Trace where he got kind of caught. But other than that, he played him straight up, didn't pick up fouls, which would have limited his availability in the game, and didn't turn a two-point, you know, jump hook or layup into three points. And when you win a game by, you know, when it comes down to a possession or two, that's a huge deal. I thought we we clearly made the decision, let Trace play him one-on-one and try to lock up everybody else. And I just thought Trace played defensively really smart, even though Edie was really effective. I thought Trace was really smart not exacerbating it. Well, you don't double that guy, really. I thought we did a good job of um, what we used to call digging down is, is how coach used to refer to that as, you know, we're going to play him head up, but the, the nearest, you know, whether that's a, whoever fed the ball to the post, that, that guy is, is kind of just scratching and kind of pawing at Edie, just letting him know that there's people around him. You know, there may be two different defenders in addition to Trace that are just kind of letting them know they're there, you know, putting their hand in there and that 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 works because he doesn't feel like he's got a lot of room to operate but man i was so impressed with him again Edie just you know he just goes and makes his move he's not he's not wasting any time he he went straight to the to the rack and went and got the shot that he practices before the you know when they showed that clip of him before the game that's the shot that he got all night long and he gets it when he wants it but i'll give i'll give trace credit too i he played a cerebral game that i haven't i haven't seen him play that well and and bigger than everything else i just like i said i think he captained and led the team i think before we get into some of the other individual performances take a step back got to give got to give some real credit to coach woodson and his staff i'm not sure who had the scout for this game eric you might know but what did you see from uh, not only a preparation but also maybe an adjustment point of view uh what happened in that game that that you just coach Woody's two and one against coach painter. Um, how, how does, how's he pulling this off? How's he got painters number so far? You know, I don't know. We play, we have an incredible home court advantage, you know, and I'm not trying to take anything away from the coaching staff. I really didn't see anything necessarily other than just a really great effort. And, you know, I, I was on JMV show before and I, 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 cause we didn't preview together, the two of us or the three of us, but I did say we're going to have to make three point baskets. We are going to have to get the 50, 50 balls. We're going to have to own those. That's what ignites that crowd. Um, 
we've got we've got good fans that understand the game. And if we're on our heels and and Purdue's on their toes, everyone in that place can feel it. So I I, I had said to him, if we're you know, and some people say we punch them in the mouth. I, nobody punches anyone in the mouth. I don't know what that means, but if you. <laughs> But if, if, if we're competing and we're diving after balls, which we did, and we we're scrapping after everything, which we did, that feeds our, that feeds our fan base. Um, and it's in addition to that, we had to make some threes. Trace is going to get to the rim. How he, how he gets to the rim and shoots point blank shots 19 times is really amazing to me that people can't keep him away from the basket. And you know, he may go eight or nine and 19, but he's tipping his own ball in and he's, you know, his second jump is unmatched, unrivaled. It's probably Dennis Rodman's probably the only guy that I've ever seen that has a quicker, you know, second or third jump than Trace. It's remarkable. Wow. Um, but he gets he gets to where he wants to be and he does it consistently. And so I, I didn't really see any um, counter movement. I didn't see us counter anything that Purdue did. I think it was a pretty straightforward game plan. Like, we're gonna we're gonna match the intensity and effort. We're gonna try to you know raise ours up to a high level. Vital was saying it. We just played sticky, good defense, like we really wanted to win the game. Incredible. Yeah, I think that to me that not game plan, but like you said, effort. And look, there have been games where we have not brought that level of focus and energy. Right. So, and we have blamed in part Woody for that. Like, how do you not get these guys ready? So you have to give him credit for getting the guys ready. How can you not get ready for a Purdue game? I get it when they're number one. I totally get that. But I thought the key validate does it validate what he's trying to do and that you can take down the number one team in the country if you play your ass off? Is that valid? Well, I mean, how did we? I mean, we lost to him when Coach Knight came back from the building. I would have lost the farm. Okay, I would have lost the farm on that. I don't know how. So, who do you blame? Do you blame the players? Do you blame uh, the coaching staff? I, you know yes. what? I don't know. Yes. That's not yes for me and to yes. decide. Yes and yes. All I know is the place was rocking. I, it may have been more on fire on Saturday, to be honest, than even when Coach was there. I think I think the anticipation of him being in the building was hard for people. They were so excited about halftime. <laughs> it may have been a bigger deal than the game. That backfired on us, no doubt. But well, the, um, the, the, we were there. The fans were not to blame for that loss. That was on the coaching staff and, and to a lesser degree, the players. But no, that the the, the fans, when Purdue's in town, the, the fans are always bringing the uh, electricity. But, I mean, I remember leaving that game, and we were all, on one hand, so just on cloud nine because coach was back. But I was I, there was a gentleman who was clearly from deep southern Indiana who looked at me and Eric and said a lot of words that, in case kids are listening, I'm not going to repeat – uh, but it was clear that was the game that Archie lost the program for good. When people realized that he could not get us ready for that game in that building with that coach coming back for the first time, I, I don't think he ever recovered from that. Yeah, and, you know, you talked about Whitman. There's some truth to that, but I, I, I will say this. You're on the roster, okay, at IU. And you got four game, four days leading up to that game, and you're on that campus, and Purdue's number one. Um, even if you're from Texas or Florida or wherever you came from, you you you've already played in a couple of intense games at Assembly Hall. You've been on the road with the team enough times where 
you know, it's it's intense, right? You're, you've been in the Big Ten. You're ready for that game. I mean, you don't have to be on the court. Like, I'll liken it to the NBA. Like, my first year, we were headed for the playoffs, and everyone that last month of the season, everyone's like, Oh, you're gonna you're gonna feel a completely different intensity. Of the playoffs. Wait till the playoffs. You're not gonna believe the playoffs. Guys are gonna start guarding in the first quarter instead of just the you know fourth quarter. And it was a different. It was different. I mean, you could feel it in the air. Anybody that hadn't played in that game before that was that was warming up for that game, they knew. I mean, yeah. it's a it's a completely different deal. You you've already been christened before the tip. You because student bodies reminding you all week if you're out and about. The buzz was real. I mean, it, the town was buzzing. You know it was. So I want to focus on Woody for one more thing, because I agree with you. I mean, you have to give them credit because we blame them when the team isn't ready. So we give them credit for the effort. However, at the end of the game, we couldn't get the ball inbounds, and we called a timeout, went back to the, time, to the bench, and Woody had to devise a play. And he drew up a play that was an awesome play that worked perfectly, that had some movement to it, race sprinting the baseline and threw the home run pass to Jalen, which iced the game. I do have to give him credit for that. And I also give him credit for Jalen's and we'll talk about Jalen in a minute, but I want to focus on this play when Jalen wanted the ball and Woody's like, all right, you've got the ball. Let's clear out and give you a lane to drive. And he did. And Jalen made a great play, but those were two instances that plays were called that were executed and worked and he deserves a ton of credit for those because they, they finished off the game. I agree. <laughs> All right. Let's talk. Let's talk about Jalen. So we talked about trace, unbelievable game, captain, the team. I said to you on the phone earlier, we're just looking at a professional basketball player and, and we're looking at an NBA player. I just thought Jalen was so good throughout the game, even though he didn't score 25 points, he didn't have 10 assists. The ball was in his hands a lot, and he got the crowd going with those alley-oop passes. He made some big shots. What did you think of Jalen's game overall? Just rock solid. I, you know, freshman's going to have an off night. He he had his off night. Didn't what I was more interested in is he going to is he going to approach this game like his last game was one for fourteen? Because that'll scare him, man. You know, you shoot it that bad. You know, usually there's a little carryover. Yeah. But he, he's he's been exactly who he's been, which is so steady, so confident looking, just a lot of moxie and, and poise. Uh, we've we've you know, we've stroked it enough telling, you know, talking about how great he is. Uh, he just proved it again to me. I mean, he just he's so calm. He's not no one's getting him out of his element. Um, if he's not a top 20 or lottery pick guy, then I don't know. I don't know who they're looking for anymore, to be honest with you, because he's he's a. Uh, today's kind of player, you know, he's a 23, 20, you know, 2023 NBA talent for sure. He's still got a ton of upside, but what he's able to do with his size and frame that he's, he's NBA ready. In my opinion, that doesn't mean he's going to go to a team and start and light it up, but he's right. a, he's an NBA level contributor right now. He, he can go get the shot that he wants. What he did on that, that drive at the end of the game versus the exact same play where he got a shot blocked easily by Edie. Um, it, it was a, it was a, you know, it was an adjustment he made. He knew, he knew what to do. You can't necessarily teach that to a kid. He, he knew he had to get into his body and he made the play of the game. Yeah. Uh, that it, it, that's exactly what I thought watching it. I just thought 
what a smart basketball player. We talk about basketball IQ a lot, and it's kind of this amorphous thing. Like, what is it? That play was a manifestation of high basketball IQ. He got blocked earlier on the same play. What do I do in the same instance to overcome that? I throw my body into the guy so he can't get it. I hold the ball wide. I, I just thought that is everything we talk about with being a smart basketball player. And you got to have some, you got to have some balls to, yes. to say you want the ball. Um, you've got to, you know, everybody's all American on, you know, that's, that's been on this, this tear lately. And to say that you want the ball, that's, that takes some balls. And there's no hubris with him, right? There's no, there's no arrogance. There is just absolute confidence, even coming off of a one for 14 game. It did remind me as you guys were talking about it, how when his knee buckled and he airballed the fast break. And, and in that moment, I thought our season was potentially over. And, and if future Ward could have come back and said, don't worry. In about 25 minutes, he's going to put one in on Edie and, and give us that cushion. It was just, it was such a roller coaster when we got to that second half. Um, who really stood out for you? Because look, everybody who touched the hardwood for our team scored points, contributed, put something in the box score. Who outside of the two, you know, known star entities really stood out for you as as crucial in this game and why? Uh, to me, in that game, it was it's simple. Galloway and Malik just gave, you know, critical minutes, um, key buckets. I, I Trey Galloway played his best game. I don't care how many points he scored. That's that's his best game by far that I've seen him play. Totally he, agree. You know, he gave us, you know, a great effort defensively. Um, but but he had a couple he had a couple of huge buckets where he kind of froze Edie yes. on, on a layup. A yes. little more than a layup, though. That's not a layup. When you're that's a shot that he has that's like a little floater thing that I don't think is an easy shot to make. It, mm -mm. You know what I mean? It's Brian, between, he's, he's just outside the lane, but he's putting it off the glass. I, that's a tough shot. And, and specifically on the one you're talking about, he stopped and then saw Edie and kind of faked a little bit, just a little yeah. movement to get him off, and then went up with the floater. I feel like that's even harder than the one – where you're just free flowing, which he has in his yeah. bag too, which looks good. That one, his whole rhythm got screwed up, but he was smart enough to get Edie off of him and then put it up. I, I thought that that was another really smart basketball play. No, it was, and he, you know, I, I said he froze him. He just he kind of looked across yes. the lane, yes. with a little bit of hesitation, and he and it froze him, and he and he made it tough. That is just not an easy finish, I don't think, and. Um, yeah, I, I got to go back. I got to say something about uh, Jalen's um, that breakaway. Yeah, that I knew exactly what that was. I saw that thing in slow motion. That's happened. That's a, I call that a weak leg. I can't tell you how many times I've you know had a like not a breakaway in a game, but in practice, and you go to take off and you have no lift and you just have some weak knee that buckles on you. Have you ever done that? Uh, That's yeah, what I do, it was. Uh, uh, it happened to me like once a day. Yeah, I do it. I do it walking off of the porch and then I break my foot. That's what happens to me. I got weak feet, weak ankles, weak knees. I know all about weak leg. <laughs> that's what it was. And I, I was like, oh, that's he's not hurt. That's just a that was something that happened to me every day. Anyhow, <laughs> Trey Galloway was great in the first half. His floater in early in the game that he's made that shot several times this year. I think Steve Nash, you know, was really the guy that that 
you know, built that shot, at least the first guy. Mark Jackson had it a little bit. That is not an easy shot. And Trey's got that thing. He played great. Him knocking down a three, that was what I had said, you know, in the pregame with uh, with John on the radios. Those guys are so impressionable. They got to make a shot. He got when he made a three. I was like, "This is good." I, I mean, I, as much as Trace bumping into you know going chest to chest, Galloway making a three point shot without a hesitation is a bigger play. Fair enough. All right, talk yeah. about Malik. Talk about Malik because we did chat briefly about him, but I just did, I was salivating on what he was doing out there. He just didn't look. He didn't look lost. He didn't look unsure. You know, there's been a lot of games that, you know, they've, he's lost some confidence, right? Or he had for sure. a stretch and he's constantly looking at the bench. Like, I, if I was his teammate, if I was Trace, man, I'd be spending time with that kid. You know, he can take some of this pressure, alleviate some pressure from Trace. I'd be mentoring the hell out of him going, you know, quit looking at the bench. Quit looking for somebody else to say you, you fouled or you didn't foul. You know, you got to play basketball. At this point in time, you're you're deep in the season. You could you could start that conversation. You're not a freshman anymore, dude. Start acting like a sophomore, playing like one. I would be spending a ton of time with him if I was Trace. Uh, but he he looked as good as he's ever looked to me. Just yeah. he looked confident um, when he got the ball. I mean, we talked about it earlier. He made two really good buckets against the Giant, yeah. and and shot it right over the top of him, and it looked really good. And, and one of those was, I thought, a really critical bucket in the second half. Yes. It was fun to watch him operate. He didn't hurry, which he's had a tendency to kind of get going too fast and either travel or, you know, maybe not take the shot that he wanted. He got exactly the shot he wanted over the, you know, the wooden player of the year and made it look pretty easy. I, I think as a fan, it gives us reason to think this guy could slide in and be an 18-point-a-game guy next year. It does. So, it's hard not to see that. And when there's going to be this exodus of a lot of talent next year and be like, well, how do we keep from dropping off a cliff? And I, I kind of think it starts with that guy. Yep. Good. Okay. Yeah, we all agree great. on that. So I, can I, uh, can I bring but, something up that, that, that might be controversial? No. Um, what I was going to say. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So listen, after the game, and granted, I watched the game, as you all know, on a phone in the middle of the woods, surrounded by Southern California Jewish religious leaders. And it didn't, it was not a great experience. I'll just say that. Um, I, I explained it more in our intro. Yeah. But, uh, but we'll all agree that this is how Eric has to watch every game going forward. Clearly. I mean, that the is results right. Speak for themselves. And I jumped on after several attempts, jumped on Ward's spaces that he put up there celebrating the game. And I made the comment at the end that I didn't understand why Race Thompson was in the game at the end and why Malik was not because Malik played so well. I watched the game yesterday again and realized Malik played a long time in the second half. He played a huge stretch. And then he took him out at the, like the four-minute timeout and brought in the senior because he clearly trusts him. And listen, I've been critical. We've been critical of Race's performance. He's been injured. He's probably not back to 100%. He had huge offensive rebounds. He had two huge defensive plays, including maybe the biggest steal of the game, picking sure. off that Braden Smith pass on the baseline. He stepped up to the line and drilled two free throws. And then he did make the home run pass to... 
Jalen, those last four minutes, I actually think Reese Thompson played the best basketball he's played this year. And I understood why he put him in. He trusts the senior. And Malik had played a long stretch and was probably gassed because Malik hasn't played that much recently that long. I, I take back what I said about race well, in the spaces. I actually think he was I, I actually think he was a big reason we ended up pulling the game out. Well, and y- your dad had told you that Malik didn't play in the second half. You had been misinformed. I, I ha- and I couldn't see <laughs> watching it on the phone. Everybody looked the same. So, um, but Brian, you've been critical of race, and and fair enough. His stats and performance have not been good enough this year. But what did you think of taking Malik out, putting race in, and race's performance the last four minutes? Well, I don't. You know, race. I, I he did great. I I don't want him back for a seventh year. I'll tell you that, but <laughs> I mean, it's not like I'm not sitting there rooting my ass off for of him. Of course. I, his free throws were huge. I, I agree with everything you said. He performed, you know, and I think coming back in at the end was probably the right move, whether Malik was gassed or not. You know, if there's, if they trust him more, then let him play. But yeah, he, he made plays at the end of the game. There's no doubt about it. And I don't root against the guy. Of course. I, you know, I think he's, I think he's, you know, 70, 80%. He doesn't, he, he has no explosion or lift. Like you could see when he, he, I think one or two little post moves, but there's just not, he can't get off the ground right now. And I, you know, we don't know why that is, but Hey, he, you know, there was leadership there. He stepped in and was confident at the end of the game. Those free throws were to me were the biggest, the biggest part um, throwing the ball. I mean, I don't know anybody could throw the ball. No, that's not true. I mean, people screw it up. You got to make the play. You got to make the the three guys on this podcast could not do that. (laughs) He didn't. Okay. He didn't. Okay. But I'm not taking away that he threw it. It's, it's, uh, that was the play, right? So you're just, you're launching it down the court. He, he executed it. He really did. Uh, but that you got to give credit for, for whoever drew that. I don't know if that's Woody or who, who it was at the, at that timeout that drew up that play, but, it was important. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, he, he played great. I, I also give a ton of credit on that play to Jalen, who ran like a wide receiver route. Great. You know, great and got sold. separation. Yes, he sold that he was coming to the bucket, then put his – I think I hear this on football broadcasts a lot. He really put his foot in the ground, right, and then made the cut to go up the court. It was a great play based on the fact that just before we ran a play and couldn't get the ball in bounds – they use that against them. They're overplaying. They brought Trace up to get his man away from the backcourt. It was awesome. I mean, it was well, and, and even such just a... for for Race to understand where we were at with five seconds and to call the timeout. You know, it just yeah. again showing that sort of eighth year senior savvy. Um, going <laughs> to the opposite end of the the experience spectrum, we did get some more flashes of Caleb Banks. And Mr. Evans, I was wondering what you're seeing from that kid and how that could be important, not only for, for future seasons, but you know, you're alluding to these guys needing to grow up and get ready for tournament time. What are you seeing from him? Well, I mean, you, you see a, a kind of bouncy springy kind of guy that maybe doesn't have full control of his body yet, but he's, <laughs> I love that he got, that he got a taste of that because that could go a long way for a player like him who, has sat there and, and had a lot of DNPs to get in, you know, just to check into that game. That's a, that's kind of a big deal, you know, get a taste of playing out there, got a, got a dunk, um, blew an, blew an open layup, uh, got cussed at by me. <laughs> um, 
but all in all, it was, you know, I liked that. I liked that he got some experience on that big stage and, and he didn't, you know, he played fine. He did just fine. And he got, you know, three I think of- his, he's a guy that's going to be really interesting to see what his first full summer in Bloomington does for him. You know, you're not, not everybody is a freshman, all big 10 guy, you know, you, you got to grow. And, and, you know, I think he has a chance to, to turn into a nice player. I mean, he got three of our eight offensive rebounds in his wow. like five minutes. Can, can I say something that I've been told about, about Caleb that, that I think is interesting and Brian, maybe you can talk about this a little, you know, I think that when you grow up in the state of Indiana, especially when you did, um, you take it for granted that you just learn the game in a pretty sophisticated way. You have good coaches in AAU or whatever it was back then, you know, all-star camps, you have good high school coaches, you learn the game. And guys like Jalen Hood Shafino and Malik Renew, they go to prep schools where they are really coached and they learn the game. I'm not saying there aren't bad coaches there, but I'm sure there's a lot of good ones and they learn the game and they play high level AAU. Caleb Banks did not have that. Caleb Banks Mm -hmm. didn't play for a prep school. He played for a public school. He didn't have a great coach in AAU. He hasn't had great coaching. What I've been told by people within the program is this is a kid that he comes in and you look at CJ Gunn, who grew up in Indiana, high-level coaching. You look at Jalen Huchifino and Malik Renew, all high-level coaching, all really learned the game. Caleb is way behind them just on the resources that he had growing up. And it has taken him much longer to learn the game. Jordan Geronimo is another example of this. Didn't play high-end basketball. And it just takes these guys a long time to catch up and learn the game. And I think that that's something as fans we don't even think about. We're just like, just do what you're supposed to do. And they just don't understand the speed. They haven't seen it. They haven't been coached it. So I think the upside for a guy like Caleb is pretty high. Once that stuff catches up, it just may take a year or two. Yeah, I mean, the guys pick up the game at different times. You guys remember Steve Hart, who was a high school teammate of mine and yes. was an unbelievable athlete. I mean, an unbelievable jumper. Um, didn't start playing until eighth grade. And so it was always a little raw, you know, and coach would get on him about his ball handling and, you know, look at what kids are doing nowadays with Steph Curry drills and, you know, yes. the ball handling stuff. Nobody did that stuff. I never did a, a drill like that. And Steve didn't start playing until eighth grade. So he was he was raw similarly, you know, in, in terms of he had a great high school coach because we played for Pat Rady, who's a, a Hall of Famer. But, you know, Steve was in his second year of basketball when he got to high school. And, you know, and if you don't have great coaching – that makes perfect sense to me. That's why I think this summer could be huge for him to be around. Cause you're going to be around the game way more than at the high school level. And if he was at a place where, you know, even the AAU wasn't top tier stuff, this thing is, you know, that cook hall is open and they can be in there whenever they want. I think with this kid is we're going to find out how bad does he want it? Cause he could make a huge leap this summer. I totally agree. I want to touch on, on just one more player who is out there for 29 minutes and, you know, a few things show up in the box score, not much, but maybe you can help us appreciate why he's out there so much. Maybe particularly what he was doing on the defensive end is, is Miller cop. Are you, are, are you understanding why he is, he is important and trusted by the coaching staff to be out there when look him coming to Bloomington, it was all about him being a three point shooter and he's proven when he can get three-point shots, he can knock them down fairly regularly, but that's clearly not why he's important to this team. 
or pro, that's not the most important thing he's contributing. You know, I, yeah, he, he's logging a lot of minutes and, and I'm, you know, I'll be honest that I'm one of the first people sitting there going, it's too many minutes, you know, and why is he playing so many minutes? But it's at, at some point in time you go, well, who, who am I rooting for to be in there instead of him? Exactly. You know? And I don't know that I am. So sometimes it's just not real flashy. Well, I should be able to relate to that. Right. I'm, I wasn't a flashy <laughs> guy either. So I, who am I to sit here and want him to be flashy? He's, he's been solid. Um, you know, he does a pretty good job of keeping it in front of the guy's garden. I mean, it's not like you're handing him the toughest matchup, but he, but he stays in front of people and he's given a, I think he's given a, a good effort. I think it's more frustrating that he doesn't get more three point looks. And so that's, that's more complimentary to him than anything else. He takes shit from the fan base. Cause he doesn't, you know, why are you one for two? If you're shooting that percentage, well, he, he's not really a guy that can create anything. And if we're not putting him in positions to, to get open looks, are we wanting him to force shots? I'm not, I don't, I don't think he's a guy that can force shots. I trust him in a three point contest. I mean, I think he can shoot the lights out. Um, yeah, I mean, he's earned those minutes or he wouldn't be getting them. You know, I, I, no question, also, Woody, favors, Woody favors veteran guys. That's his. I think that's his NBA DNA. But at the same time, you know, I'm not at practice. And I'm a huge believer, like my coach was, you earn your playing time in practice. I hope that's Woody's mentality, too. And I just have to assume that he's in practice and whoever's playing behind him is getting outplayed every day. I also want to go back to something your coach uh, would say a lot, that basketball is not won by the team that makes the most number of great plays. It's won by the team that makes the least number of mistakes. And Miller Cop doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He doesn't. He does not force a lot. He does not miss his assignment defensively. If he gets beat, he gets beat. That's not a mistake. That's he got beat. But he knows where to be. He knows how to help. He knows where to communicate. He communicates really well on offense. He's not forcing it. He's not clogging up the lane. He doesn't make mistakes. And on a team that has had turnover problems and mistake problems, I think it's good to have a guy out there that you just know he's not going to make a mistake. And if he gets open, he's going to make it. Four percent. Yeah, well said. He's 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 a solid contributor. They trust him. It's kind of like putting race back in. There's there's a, certainly a trust factor, and he's a good communicator. I'll I'll give him that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of times you could see he's bringing guys into not that you need to huddle up like Duke did on every after every dead ball, you know, a little team huddle and hug each other. But he's <laughs> he was, um, yeah, I, I could see that he's a leader on the team. Right. You know, he is. A, he is certainly a respected voice in the locker room. I think that's obvious when he's on the court, which is, I, you know, that's a big deal. I, I want to bring up one somewhat negative that does worry me about the ceiling of this team. Tamar Bates. So the last time we all chatted, Ward was ready to build a statue for him. That's he, a lie. Uh, That's a lie. I know. I'm obviously hyperbole, <laughs> but you were very high on him after no. his 17 point game. I, 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 you I, thought I, that he was showing signs of coming in to potential stardom. I, I said this is where you could see he could become a star. Right. I and, think I was there. I heard it too, Eric. And I believe if he would have gone for 20 the next game, 
Yeah. He Calvert was going to have to slide over because Ward was going to put him up. <laughs> you mean Don Schlunt? You mean Don Schlunt? <laughs> <laughs> so, but here's the truth. In the five games since that 17-point great game against Michigan State, or sorry, four games, he has scored zero, seven, two, and three. He has shot four of 16 from the field. He has turned the ball over uh, three times. He has not a great number of assists. He's fouled a lot. He fouled a lot in yesterday's or on, in Purdue's, the Purdue game, a couple bad plays in a row and some a terrible pass where he tried to make it into trace that was just you don't pass it from that point on the court into the post. It worries me because he does have the ability to score and shoot. He does have the ability to get his own shot like Miller does not. And yet he just is not putting it together. And we've seen it all year. It's like he had a great game, 19 points earlier in the year against, um, you know, a bad team, Kennesaw State, but then went away for a little bit, then had double digits against Penn State, then went away, then Michigan State, then went away. What what are you seeing from him? What is it? I mean, is it confidence? Is it is it? I, I just don't know. It doesn't seem confidence with a guy like Tamar. So what is it? I don't think there's a definitive answer what's going on with him. He's 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 wildly inconsistent, um, almost like he's a freshman, but he's not. You know, everybody likes that kind of game. You know, I, everybody likes the left-handed kind of herky-jerky score. He's got a little bit of flair for the dramatic. Like, you, you know, he had a couple games that we needed him, and you know, he made shots, and, he you know, he, he looks cool after he makes a three. <laughs> but I'm not ready to start calling him scoop. I was thinking poop over the last five games. I mean, now they're now the TV's calling him scoop, and I'm like scoop. Why? Why is his name all of a sudden scoop? Um, he's got a. There is a ceiling, yes. On our, we have enough guys playing. Let's put it that way. We have enough guys playing. These guys that kind of stepped in and played well in this last game. We talked about them all at this point in time. I think he's worth a. Uh, another NCAA victory if we could have a guy like him have a 20-point game in, right. in the tournament. He's capable of it. And maybe this is the year we're just not going to get it consistently from him. Right. Again, go have a big summer because guess what? We're not going to be running the ball through Trace Jackson Davis next year. It's going to open up opportunity for all these guys. I was joking about the name thing. Uh, but much like Caleb and much like Malik, man, you know, there's going to be opportunities for all of these guys for next year's team. You did, I, you know, I'm rooting for him, right? By the way, I think he has a chance to be a really good player. He reminds me of Ricky Calloway from way no. back when, when I was growing up. He, he's just, it's just a game that it's like, he's, he's not just a transition guy. He can shoot. He's a better shooter than, than Calloway was Calloway. I probably had a little more get to the rim kind of game, but I really like him. It's just, He's been wildly inconsistent. There's not much you can say, and I don't know why that would be. Um, you get the feeling that that the coaching staff want him out there. I mean, he gets opportunities. It's just like they it's like they're pulling the plug early. Like, yeah, he's not he's not got it this game. And and you made you remarked about that turnover. That was so bad that it was like just take him out. You know, I right. Yeah, he can make four or five threes in the second half, but but. We can't we can't beat them with sloppy play and just loosey goosey turnovers. That was the, that was the to me that was the Archie Miller era right there of just like loose with the ball, 
the, I mean, you, you can't feed the post from that angle. Like that was just such a bad attempt. I would have taken him out too. Yeah, it's, I mean, eight turnovers for the game. That's really how we were able to compensate for being out-rebounded by 16 was that the, we turned them over 16 times. We only had eight. Like, that's remarkable to, to have single digits against a good defense. But talking about, like, the depth of this team, it does amaze me that when we're going in a game like this against the number one team in the country – and you have one of your eight rotational players not not really contributing and really Caleb just, you know, ha having a, a few good minutes, really. And so then you're looking really at really six guys who brought this home and that Jordan, while available, did not come in and clearly isn't at 100 percent. And oh, yeah, our starting point guard, who was key to us making a run in the Big Ten tournament last year and really became a, a great second option for the last third of last season. I just take a step back and and I do have to give a lot of credit to to both those guys leading the team um, uh, on the court and on the bench, the coaching staff to say, hey, man, we've got if, if we were fully healthy, we could have 10, 11 guys contributing. And it's not about any one of these guys outside of Trace and maybe Jalen bringing it every night because it's college and they're kids and they're not professionals. But when we have that many options to feel like, well, at least two or three of those guys are probably going to show up tonight. And that's good enough for, for us to win most nights. That gives me optimism for the rest of the season and even the tournament. Brian, does, does, is that valid at all that I, I look like, like, I don't know who it's going to be tonight, but I think it's going to be somebody. Well, I, I mean, it all starts with a defensive effort. You know, I, I you can stay in a lot of games and, and maybe you only have a couple horses, but you got I mean, where we were horrible is when we weren't given an effort and really competing. So how many guys, is it eight? Is it 11 to choose from? You know, if, if everything's predicated on a, a crazy effort, we have enough players. I mean, we, we have enough players, whether we get Xavier back or not. And, I would, I would almost argue, and this isn't an attack on him, but when he does come back, I don't think you can just pop, you know, pop him back in there. I think the ball now has been in Trey and, and Jalen's hands a bunch. Um, I, I wasn't a big fan of how much X had the ball in his hands and how many dribbles he might have per possession. I thought it was way too many. Mm. We've kind of changed the way we look and we're playing better basketball than we've played. You can't forget last year, take away the big 10 second half of Michigan and the big 10, you know, getting into the playing game before getting our, you know, you know, what kicked in by yeah. same areas. <laughs> that was a shitty season. I mean, we're not talking about, we lost, you know, all conference, great players that the guys playing last year, that was not a good season by Indiana. And we're playing some of our best basketball now. And we have enough guys to win big 10 games. We, I mean, whether it's eight or 11, there's enough guys out there, you know, it's easy to say we're not getting consistent efforts from, you know, scoop. I can't even believe I just said that. Um, but we have enough guys that maybe they're not going to all contribute on every, in every single game. You give, you give Geronimo some minutes, right? And if he's bringing effort, energy, and, you know, he goes up and makes a great block and he gets a dunk, well, I'll leave him out there a little bit, you know, and let him play a little bit more. Um, 
if if somebody like Tamar comes in the game and knocks a couple down, maybe Miller plays lesser minutes in the game. Right. And, you, you know, maybe they're each playing 20 minutes. There's nothing wrong with that. That just makes us a better team. Um, it's interesting you bring up X because, look, we know Woody does like the veterans. And it does worry me a little bit that if X comes back, he is just going to throw him back into that starting lineup. And the truth is, I think for this team, you bring a guy like X, I'm assuming he's X and he's got the explosiveness, which I think is a big assumption coming off of a broken foot in, in, in the middle of the year. But let's say he does bring that off the bench. Don't ruin the way that this team has have had this rhythm building with Jalen running it and X going up against somebody else's backup point guard or backup big man at the rim. And X has that explosiveness. When you bring in guys off the bench, we don't really know where the scoring is coming from. You could rely on X at least giving you offense and getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line. That seems like a huge, huge asset to have as opposed to starting the game and ruining this run we're on. I mean, we've won six out of seven. We haven't run six out of seven in the Big Ten since 2016 when we won the Big Ten. Why screw that up right now? Well, I think it's something to worry about. I'm with you. I do think it's something to worry about because I, I think that's the – and I don't know because I don't know the man. I think from what I've seen, the tendency would be to go, that's my guy. That's my you know fifth or sixth year, seventh year guy. I'm putting him back out there. Um, I mean, you, when you got some karma going, when you got what we've got going on right now, I wouldn't mess with that and – the NBA does. I mean, it's like you're you miss a handful of games and the starter. It's almost like they send them for like one half of an assignment to the G League, and then boom, they're back. I think in this in this game, and the way we've been playing, you got to let him come work his way back to it. Going, hey, you're not you're not a hundred percent. You know, you're not the sports car that you you know driving down Walnut like you're going to be driving down the lane. You're not going to be able to go 90. And so, come on. I'm sorry. That was wrong. (laughs) I'm very polarized. I feel a little polarizing. Very polarizing. All right. (laughs) Let's do this. We did it last time. It worked out so well. Some questions for you about former teammates of yours. Oh, you have a secret. And you, you, you have to tell one person on your, your former teammates and if this secret gets out, it's catastrophic. Who do you tell the secret to so that you know it will stay a secret? And who would be the last teammate you would tell the secret to? Go. Oh, man. that's I don't know if I'll answer the second one. You got to um, answer it. Well, I don't have to. That's um, true. That's true. You don't have to do anything. I would say Richard Mandeville, I would tell the secret to. Wow. Because he, I mean, he just flat out knew I, he he knew me and I would murder him. He knows that. He knew I would murder him. (laughs) He believed that. It's less about him being trustworthy and more about him being terrified of you. I had him under the influence of me and (laughs) I would have killed him. Okay. All right. Will you, will you Uh, take a shot at answering the second part? So now I'm just calling a teammate a gossip, basically. Yeah, I'm calling yeah. him a shithead. No, not well, a shithead. Not a shithead, but some people just have a tough time keeping a secret. They like the gossip. I don't know. I you know there's that's a tough one. There's not there was no secrets back in the day. I mean, we were 
I don't know. Oh. I don't know that I would have a secret, and I don't know. All right. If I all just right. say it, I'm just I'm all I'm doing is saying my least favorite teammate. I don't want to do that. Okay, fair enough. Okay. I have one, but I just don't want to say it. I'm here. <laughs> Ward, um, you guys, all, all all the guys from your era, everybody you played with. You're all back at Assembly Hall. It's a it's a big reunion. Everybody's excited. You meet up outside of Assembly Hall to to hey, hey, let's walk in there together. It's gonna be great. But before you can walk in, the sky opens up and a and a UFO comes down and lands in the parking lot of Assembly Hall. Little green men come out. They need to talk to somebody. Who do you trust as an emissary for the human race to say what needs to be said to this advanced civilization to make sure there isn't an interplanetary war? I, I, you send RMK and just leave it at that. <laughs> which, which of your teammates is the most likely to have believed in aliens and UFOs? Huh. Who who would you think would be the guy saying, "Yeah, they're they've been here." I may have even had an encounter with one. Yeah, I'll probably go back to Mandeville. <laughs> <laughs> it's Californians. Ward, you got another one? Um. Uh, okay. Well, a secret code. There's a secret code. It's coming in over the wire somehow. The Mark Cuban Center picked it up. We think it might be. Putin. They might be launching some sort of attack. We've got to break break the code to know that that you know. Do we do a, a preemptive strike? How are we going to handle this? Which teammate do you send in to break the secret code? And this was a way better segment the last time. <laughs> um, <laughs> secret codes. Um, now all I'm trying to do is think of like who's our like do we have some uh who's the smartest who's the smartest prank? is I that what you're asking me who's it's a smartest? long walk to get to who's the smartest <laughs> how about he's how about Kevin Lemmy he's the doctor wow he was my man, former manager turned teammate great guy um really great organizational skills he'd maybe put together a team some kind of team to to crack the code so I'll put him in charge of that Take yourself out of this next question and take Calbert out of this next question. One shot, one second left in the game, down one national championship. Who do you put the ball in the hands of? Okay. Um, is he at the line? Is he? No, no, uh, it's live ball situation. Wow. That's a great question. A lot better than the alien one. Um, Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. Because whatever question. you answer right now, it's not going to be RMK. In the That's four true. years that I was there, or five years that I was there, they had to have been a teammate of mine at one point in time. Yep. Even your red shirt year, that counts. If there's somebody okay. else that would have been there. Yeah, I would. I would. Um, you know, I, just because the way Damon played, I wouldn't say Damon just because he was. Um, he could get a bucket, and he and he could do it in a variety of ways, but not as much when you say, hey, go get a bucket. That wasn't really his game. If you were going to try to run a set, I would run a – in today's game, I would run a pick and roll 
with Damon. I'm going to trust him with the ball and to make the right pass and the right play. And I'm going to set a ball screen with Eric Anderson. Wow. Let Get Eric a 17-footer. I like that. I like it. All right. I like it. All right. He was was money, money from 17, 18 feet. Like, look at his percentages. He he was a ridiculous shooter from that range. That's what I'd run. I also always thought that Eric Anderson, and part of this was I was a kid watching him, but he seemed so big. Like, he just always seemed bigger than even when they said how tall he was. He just looked bigger. He looked like he was closer to the basket than than he should have been. Like, he just seemed like a huge presence on the basketball court. I, I So, he was a freshman my sophomore year of high school. And I remember when they signed him, I thought he was a black guy. I didn't know that he was some kid from the Chicago Catholic League. Um, but he was a top five player in the country. And I remember the first, you know, the first IU game his freshman year. And I was like, that's him. No, <laughs> no. no, I was shocked. And I was shocked. And he had, he got the pink cheeks and he'd get a red face. And yeah, you know, but it didn't take long to fall in love with his game. He was so steady from day one. I mean, on that 89 team that surprised everyone and won the big 10 going away, he was a huge part of that team and huge, you know, freshman of the year and just, Started all the way throughout, you know, coach gave him a ton of shit and gave him a really, really hard time his senior year. I think coach thought he had another, you know, 76 team with that team. Like we're going to run the table. So in the few losses that we had, it was hard for me to believe as a, as a, you know, 17, 18 year old freshman, not playing. We lost the game and it was the end of the world. And he was trying to kill Eric. And I was thinking, man, we're, you know, 18 and three, like it it was unbelievable. So he was really hard on Eric. He didn't really care for Eric's personality. Eric was just really laid back and easygoing. Greatest. You guys would have loved him. Greatest guy in the world. One of my best friends, Uh, really funny dude. And coaches, uh, we'll call them powers, did not work on him. Like they just Mm. coaches intimidation and just it just didn't work on Eric. He was just free and easy and laid back and everybody knew it. And I think it drove coach crazy that he couldn't, he couldn't control him as much as he wanted to. Eric was just kind of just a free spirit. That's cool. We, right, we I- did have real quick on a follow-up on Eric Anderson. Jeff Van Gundy was on our show uh, a couple years ago and he told us a, 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 a weird story about Eric Anderson. So Eric was drafted by the Knicks Jeff was Pat Riley's assistant and it may have been the team you were, you, you would have been on this team. You played in Madison square garden, I think um, in the pre-conference in during the day. And the Knicks had a game that night at Madison square garden and coach came early and went into Riley's office. They knew each other and they were shooting the shit and asked Pat to get Eric Anderson and Pat told Van Gundy, go get him because he was his assistant. Go tell him coaches here. So Van Gundy says he went into the locker room where Eric was. And he's like, hey, Eric, a coach wants to see you. And he's like, Coach Riley? He's like, why? And he's like, no, 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 Coach Knight. And the second he said Coach Knight, he said Eric Anderson started shaking. Like like post-traumatic stress disorder. Like did not want to see Coach Knight at <laughs> All now that doesn't jive with the laid back Eric that you just gave. Do you think Van Gundy's fibbing a little bit? 
Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Eric Anderson. No. no. I mean, <laughs> okay. That's a funny, that's a that's a funny story by Jeff. I by the way, I I have about five talking heads on TV that I that I like, and he, he's way at the top of the list. Yes, I love, love him. him. Love he is so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love everything about him. He goes at the referees. He goes at the league. He doesn't give a shit. That nobody's firing him. He's saying what he really thinks, and he's right. It's funny. I think you know he's what? great. I, I, I think he's fabricated that a little bit. All right. Just, well, just the whole Bob Knight thing. You know, he did tell us something early on in the Archie era. I think that was, what, year two of Archie Ward when we did Jeff, probably? Yeah, that sounds and, right. And I, I think um, Jeff knew Archie a little bit. I think Archie... Um, Jeff went to like one of his practices at Dayton or something like that. There was some, they didn't have a relationship, but they knew each other. And we asked him, you know, do you watch Indiana? And he had watched a little bit and he, he called it so early. He's like, the problem with Archie is basketball is different today. He's like, go recruit guys who can score the basket score the ball and, and teach them, them to play defense. Yeah. Don't go out and try to get high school kids who only know how to play defense and can't throw it, you know, can't throw it into the water and hope that you can teach them how to shoot. He's like, that's not what basketball is. You can teach a guy to play defense because defense is mostly effort. That's what he said. And, and shooting is mostly skill. And it's a lot easier to teach a guy hopefully to give effort on defense than it is to make him a shooter. And I do think that was a huge part of Archie's problem is he just didn't value shooting. I mean, he just, he Uh, thought he could just grind it out. Talk about post-traumatic stress syndrome. Like let's, let's not bring (laughs) up Archie. We we, like, because you're looking at this Purdue team that has, we, we recruited half of those guys and the ones we didn't, we think we probably should have the one you see Braden Smith, not do that well against our bigger, more athletic guards. Uh, look, I want to I want to bring this home looking forward with this season. Brian, we get it rolling. The Hoosiers get it rolling. We get to the final four. And in the in in the semifinal game, we beat one team. In the championship game, we beat another team. Who do you want to beat in the semifinal and who do you want to beat in the title game? Who are those two programs, those two teams you want to punk uh, for our permanent place in history? Oh, that's easy. Duke in the final four, Purdue to win it. Okay. Nice. Okay. I love it. Uh, can I ask a follow-up to that? Seeing what you're seeing from this team over the last seven games, what do you think is the ceiling for this team? Great question. Not that all your questions aren't great. They're not, but that one is a very good one. Um, (laughs) You know, that's super tough. It's, you know, I'm a believer. I want to, you know, I I love it so much. I want to see this team get better. I mean, I I think they have the ability to just where Trace doesn't have to do everything. More guys involved, but the confidence he has from the stretch that, you know, that he's been on, you got a guy that you can give the ball to. Uh, we've got two now. We've got Jalen. You can really give him the ball and say, hey, direct traffic, get us a bucket, get it to Trace on a lob. We're doing things that we weren't doing earlier in the year. So I'm excited about what we could become. Um, I've got us winning, what, seven of our last nine. And if you go into the tournament with some momentum, I, I think this team could make a run to the Final Four. I do. I think they're good enough. I've watched enough college hoop. Um, 
I don't know that I, I don't gamble. I don't know that I would bet on the final four, but I think that the parody in college basketball and that we have some veteran guys, I think they could. I love it. I'm, I, I I'm will excited. Say, you're excited. Yeah. And, and I will say this, like Purdue is obviously in the catbird seat in winning the conference championship. Obviously. What, wait, the what seat? The catbird seat. What's that? You've never heard that phrase being in the no. catbird seat. No. Brian, have you heard that phrase before? A million times. Thank you. I mean, well, yeah. first you all, know what? That's a lie. It's usually an early, it's usually an early morning thing. He's probably asleep. <laughs> Just yeah, say, no. guys, guys, I already have low enough self-esteem. Just tell me what it means. Don't make it me means, feel bad about it. I don't know where it derives from, but the catbird seat means like you're in the best position. You're clearly in the best position. So I assume you get the best vantage point. You're you're sitting yes. there. You you've got it's it's your house. It's your world. Okay. I'm gonna right. look it up. It says it's an idiomatic phrase used to describe an enviable position, often in terms of having the upper hand or greater advantage in any type of dealing amongst parties. It derives from the secluded perch on which the gray catbird makes mocking calls. There you go. Okay. You learn something new every day. Okay. They're in the catbird seat to win the conference championship. That said, I do not believe that they are a better team than us. I don't. I don't think they have more talent than us. I don't think that they, I think if the season started right now and we played 20 games in the conference, we should absolutely expect to be one or two in the conference. And by the way, if we win tonight, we are in second place. I don't I don't I don't think college basketball is that good this year. I don't think there's a bunch of elite right. teams. And I don't think Purdue, even ranked number one, was an elite team. We they had two guards that we basically shut down, you know, and caused a lot of problems for. And I think we can do that and compete. I, so so I think we are there's no reason to think we shouldn't be the best team in the conference from this point moving forward. I'm not saying we win the conference because of the games that have already happened, but this point forward, I have no reason to think we should not be the best team in the conference. So I uh, now I don't think that Purdue is the best team in the country. I don't. Uh, and I do think that there are teams like Alabama and Houston that have these length and athletes and really good coaches and that are going to be problems for teams like us and Purdue. And, you know, when you get into the tournament, I think those Arizona, Kansas, if they figure it out that we already saw what they could be at their peak, those are going to be problems, but there is no reason to believe that we are not the best team and can be the best team in the conference from this point moving forward. And if that's the case, we probably finish second in the conference, which, by the way, again, we should be expecting that. We shouldn't be adjusting our expectations because we shit the bed against Northwestern, Iowa, and Penn State. That's That was, that was bullshit. We have enough talent to be the best team in the conference. I don't care what the records are at the end of the year. We should be playing as the best team in the conference through the Big Ten tournament. <laughs> uh, Brian is nodding in agreement with Eric. Well, what do you, you want me to d jump on? I I don't disagree with that. I think that you know what what Purdue does have that is really interesting is they have such a wild uh, mismatch that you know it's going to take a team that has that kind of length, that six eight, six nine, rangy guys that are hyper athletic guys and. Tennessee kind of has that look. Alabama kind of has that look. I'm with you on that. I, you know, if I'm a Purdue fan, I'm I'm antsy about that draw. And, you know, 
how early are you going to run into one of those teams that plays a, a much different style of basketball? Um, uh, the Big Ten can't handle Zach Eady. He owns the Big Ten. I, he is a matchup problem. The, the teams that in the past, like a Michigan State, where they've always had that six, eight, nine, really athletic couple front court guys, they don't have those guys this year. Um, and let's be honest, the bottom third of the league is pretty weak. Um, Awful. They're going to win the league, and he's he is he is dominant. This is the most dominant Big Ten season I've seen since Glenn. Where Glenn and, and the the league was way better top to bottom. I mean, there was twenty five pros in the league, or you know, twenty or twenty five, and now there's like two or three. Um, and and Zach's probably not even one of them. I, I was going to say, and multiple lottery picks that you had back. And he, then. I mean, multi- multiple and guy, Yeah, five top five. I mean, Glenn goes number one. Weber went number one. I mean, Chaney, there was Jim bunch. Jackson. I mean, like the list goes on and on. Yeah, but th- that's not the league anymore, and. He's dominating the league, and he's just is so hard to counter because his skill set is just so different than anybody else. And good for, I mean, they've got some. I mean, they've got a chance. I mean, they they do have a chance to win it this year. They just do because of him, and and they play a, a, a interesting style of ball. I those young guys um, that are they're having, you know, they're having that freshman uh, stretch here where Braden Smith, as good as he's looked, yeah, he's getting a, you know, he's had a couple of tough games here. But Purdue has a chance. They're a good team. What our key was, was Edie's going to get his. We let him eat. But we all those other guys who have been contributing night in and night out for them, they all had bad games. And I think, you know, one, it was the Assembly Hall crowd. Two, it was our guards, you, you know, our wings. It was Miller. It was Jalen. It was Trey just disrupting what their use to getting from other Big Ten foes. And I, while I think where Coach Woodson wants to take this team is more in that long, rangy wings and big guards, which could be a real advantage for us in a, a conference that cannot recruit top talent anymore outside of Bloomington and Ann Arbor, frankly. Uh, but there are those teams that already exist that hopefully Purdue will draw by the second weekend at the latest. Honestly, yeah. I st- I do think that Purdue is another likely candidate to lose early because they don't have super athleticism. They don't have a, you have to get the ball to Edie. And clearly it's not that hard to get it to Edie because you just throw it 15 feet in the air and he catches it. Um, but I, I mean, I could see them getting upset by one of these really athletic teams. I even think that, you know, they get a one seed that eight, nine game is going to be tough for them. Cause usually that's a team that has like underperformed in the year, but they have a lot of talent. And if they put it together in a, in a game, that's going to be tough for them. I think we, I, I believe this, we are better equipped. I believe to make a deep run than they are. I think we have more talent at different, at different positions. No, it's, you know, and part of it is, um, they've got young guys, you know, that are, that have made plays. I mean, lawyer, has hit some big shots and has performed at the end of games. You know, the other thing is we've got with with that team in particular, it's just a, the big, the NCAA team tournament's different. You feel different. The vibe's different in the building. You know, it'll be a lot of those guys first time doing it. Um, I could see that hurting them a little bit too, that they're relying so much on their principal ball handlers are both young guys and you get in that situation. I, I just remember feeling uh, you know, we get shipped out to Boise and we're playing out there and um, the place turns on you so fast because you're Indiana and Bob Knight's on the sideline. 
all of a sudden the entire place is like what happened to Kentucky last year. You get in a situation like that, you think you're playing at a neutral site, and then at halftime you find out <laughs> you're 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 on a road game and everybody hates you. You know that's going <laughs> to happen at Purdue. That's going to happen though because they're going to be a one seed and they're they're going to be a one. Seed. I really believe they will finish the season and be a one seed. And and there's nothing that people want the fans want more than to see a one one get knocked off, whether it's the first or second game. It's a tough spot to be in. Let, let me can I just say also one thing about Purdue that and I'm not I don't want I'm not making excuses here, but there's 14 teams in the Big Ten and you play 20 games. So it's an unbalanced schedule and they have had the benefit of a really good schedule. They get to play Minnesota. They've already played Minnesota twice. They get to play um, Ohio State, who's terrible twice. They played Nebraska twice. Like they are feasting on the bottom of the league in two games. And we are playing the best teams in the conference twice, like Rutgers and Purdue. They are not like their schedule is objectively easier than ours. And they've beaten the teams they have to beat, but they've beaten Minnesota on the road and Michigan, who's not that great on the road, you know, I mean, and Nebraska on the road in overtime, they haven't had to play Rutgers on the road. They didn't, they played us on the road and they lost. So I, I, there is some of that that explains why their record has been so good in the big 10, I believe. Brian, Brian, take us, take us into tonight's game, which of course, as we're talking is tomorrow night's game, but for our listeners, it's tonight's game. What are you going to be looking for, for us to do against Rutgers that we haven't done for several years and which frankly Purdue couldn't even pull it off against Rutgers. That's the other loss. Rutgers has got something going. What do we need to do to finally beat these bastards? They play hard, man. I, this coach, I, I think we've talked about it, the three of us, how impressed we've been with him. He he gets guys to really compete, you know, and and they just seem like Jersey guys, right? They're going to come on the road. They don't give a shit that they're in Assembly Hall. Purdue couldn't help but realize they're in Assembly Hall, and this place wants to kill them. They sneak in because they're not a Big Ten team, and it's just some school from New Jersey, And but he's got tough guys. The coach is tough. The players seem tough. They they have that that mindset. They want to punk teams, you know that that Mulcahy guy. I mean, you got to. He's he seems like a punk, you know. And I yes. say that with some. I, well, I say that with a little bit of love, you know. He's sure. decided sure. to be that player. He, he wants to be that guy. And he but he's a leader kind of personality. We're you know, we got to do what Trey said. I mean, we we have to have circled Rutgers for the first time ever. No one ever – we never have. We act like, oh, it's Rutgers. It's not even a Big, Big Ten team. Well, they should have our attention by now. And as they come in tonight, we've got to we've got to bring the energy and that same defensive effort from the beginning of the game. I'm telling you, I'm nervous about the first five minutes of this game. I think the first five of this game is going to be a huge storyteller of what's to come and you know, for the rest of the game because – our team has to be more aggressive and has to be on their toes. It has to, yeah, I'm afraid we're going to come out like we just beat number one Purdue and everyone's got a little hangover. I'm nervous about it. If we come out in that first five and look good, I like our chances. Cool. R- Rutgers is the only team in the Big Ten that Trace Jackson Davis has not defeated. The only one, well, which he, is crazy. He has to, I'm sure he knows that too. He's got to know that. And we'll see if, we'll see what kind of, you know, leadership carryover he gets because he should be telling everybody today and, tomorrow and let's go get them ready to play i agree 
As always, we love your insight. The most polarizing figure in Indiana sports. Uh, he likes the label. Um, we love you. And that was a guest. That was a guest. You know, the thing I love the most about that conversation with Brian was something you said at the very beginning. So happy. he looks he's so happy and he's a fan, man. Like, yeah. that's what people forget about, like, when he goes off on somebody or he's upset. It's like people treat him differently because he's a former player. But before he was a former player, he was a fan. He grew yes. up loving and worshiping Indiana like us. Yep. He didn't know he was going to play for Indiana when he was 10 years old and 12 years old, when he was forming this strong, lifelong love affair with Indiana. Well, and, and so you know, it kills him like it kills us. It was, I always loved his anecdote of being in practice as a freshman and Coach Knight just screaming at him, Brian Evans, what the fuck are you doing, Brian Evans? And instead of being freaked out or upset, he was just so thrilled that Coach Knight knew his name and that he was being screamed at by the general. And it was. It, it, for those of you who look at the, the video of this on Peegs later, you'll just see a, a glow about him. He's still giddy, you know, uh, whatever it is, uh, 48 hours later after this victory. And he is one of us. He's actually just put in a lot more blood, sweat, and tears in uh, a five-year stretch to the program than the rest of us. He he sees more. He understands more. He knows more. And that's why he's he's so great to have on and get his insights. But ultimately, it is such an emotional relationship with this program. Couldn't agree more. By the way, if you asked me the alien question, I would have said, give him Brian Evans. I want Brian Evans in there, entertaining them, talking to them. Like he would be the one that I would want representing mankind. I can't say it for sure because I've never spoken with him. And for very good reasons, he, uh, the position he's in, he has not come onto the show. But I would have to imagine Chris Reynolds would be a great emissary. Like he would understand the diplomacy, the politics. Yes. And, and, yes. and put things just in, in the right way to make sure they don't vaporize the entire planet. Yeah. Now, this is the difference between you and me here, not to get into political conversation. Chris Reynolds is clearly the reasonable choice. <laughs> what I like about Brian Evans is there's you're going to rush home to see what happened on whatever news channel you watch yeah. with Chris Reynolds. You can go about your day and yeah. know that everything's going to be just kind of okay. Right. With Brian, you're either going to, those aliens will never come back and they will leave behind their advanced technology or the last thing you will remember is trying to see what happened on the news because the world will be obliterated. So I, 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 like, I, think there's, I like the risk. I like the risk in that. I think there's a third option, which is we all rush to Nick's to join Brian Evans and the aliens playing Sink the Biz. Now, that is probably that will not happen with Chris Reynolds. There no. is no chance no. that happens with Chris Reynolds. Correct. There is a decent that may be the most likely outcome <laughs> is that everybody just goes and gets blitzed at Knicks together. Green men and all love Brian Evans, love seeing how happy he is. I just love that we have found a guy who we worshiped as a player and revered as a player and respected and admired, which I still do. 
but also is a fan at his core the way that we are. And that's who he was. And you have to think that is, you know, we've talked to many. Steve Green is like that. He's a fan at his core. Tom Abernathy is like that, fan at his core. A lot of these kids that grew up kids, a lot of these guys that grew up in Indiana were like that. But many of them, you know, even a guy like Woody and and Randy Whitman, they're too much a part of it right now that they can't just be fans. For sure. You know, so it's Coverdale is like that. You know, there, there's Jordy Hulls is like that, even though he's now got a different position. Um, Michael Lewis, there are moments where he's like that, but yep. he's got a whole other world of <laughs> shit that prevents him from being that. Um, you know, well, that I love that. Well, and with Brian, and he comes on and he gives us his the straight dope. This is what he's seeing. This is what he's feeling. And to chart sort of this season, and to be able to say, hey, I don't know what we're running on offense. I don't know what this looks like. I, you know, where's the intensity on defense? But not to be like, well, I, this is the position I staked out on this team in this season. Right. And I'm going to constantly try to pick at that. It's like, no, like that's what was happening when we lost three games that we probably should have won all three or at least the two of them. But now that we're on six of seven games, like, yeah, it's undeniable. We're doing a lot of things better than we were in the prior three games. And so rather than, you know, have an ego about, well, this is what I said publicly and I need to kind of save face and be like, well, I wasn't, you know, making excuses for why it's working now and it wasn't then. It's like, no, the team's just playing better. We're winning huge games and we can all not only assess that as to why it's happening, but enjoy it too. Totally agree. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But uh, we forgot to ask Brian to do it. We did. We did. How do you think he would have? He probably wouldn't have done it. He'd probably gone. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's not a cool thing to do. No. (laughs) Follow us and let's prove it once and for all. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But the sometimes why? What? I just tried to do it as uncool as possible. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.